Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. and Sisters of the Leaf. Come to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place. It's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight, the boys congregate via live video. Thanks, coronavirus, you giant asshole. To celebrate America by talking about the 1998 William Shatner political thriller, Land of the Free. While smoking the soapbox cigar from Dissonant, paired with a truly patriotic amount of craft beers. Captain Kirk... A delicious cigar and 10% beers. That sounds like a recipe for one hell of a good time. So cling on to your seat, folks. Get it? Captain Kirk? Klingons? Look, don't blame me. I do not write this crap. Light them up and enjoy the show. Good evening, boys. Hey, hey. It's November 4th, 2020, around... 8.52 p.m. Central Standard Time when we're recording this. Do we know who our president is yet? We do not. We don't. But we're really close, like right there. Like, no. Oh, this is a this is breaking, breaking news. Uh, still too close to call. Mm. Oh, I imagine it'll be a seamless. Uh, that wasn't breaking news at all. Ted, <laughs> feel free to break in with those breaking news at any at any point. Uh, I imagine whatever happens, the transition will be seamless and classy because that's how America does things. Um, Talking about this America, right? It'll be interesting to see what happens. Look, Tut's wearing his Tut's wearing his classy as fuck America T-shirt, a kitty cat riding a star pop, wearing an Uncle Sam hat. Look at that. He hadn't worn that since the 4th of July. That's how patriotic. patriotic. So, dude, are you going to wear that every day this election goes on? Are you going to be wearing it for, like, two months? Oh, no, no. I've got uh, a kitty cat with some firecrackers. i got a kitty cat with an American flag T-shirt. I've got, a ki- I've, got pa- I've got a whole closet full of patriotic kitty cat shirts. I'm not worried about it. So when this thing goes up, up to January 20th when the Constitution says that we have to have a president and the House uh-huh. is still undecided, and y'all going to mess around and get Nancy Pelosi as president, I'll still have a kitty cat shirt for it. Huh. 
I think I'd rather have the it's, kitty cat shirt. It's called line of secession, baby. Uh, well, I tend to agree with the old saying that politicians have one thing in common with dirty diapers. Speaking of Nancy Pelosi and all of them, they both need to be changed regularly and for the identical reasons. Well said. Uh, well, I didn't say that. That's an old one. But uh, boy, it'd be nice it's to get. Be nice to get some new blood in there, a bunch of these old fossils. It would be nice. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But what do I know? I'm only one of the country's most world-renowned political podcasters. Hmm. When did that poll come out? Well, when, when were you anointed as such? Must have oh, that's that. right. No, I, I'm a highly respected drinking podcaster. That's right. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that makes more sense. Some, respected. Uh, somewhat respected drinking podcaster. You've got my respect as a drinking podcaster. One person respects me as a drinking podcaster. Thank you, Doctor. Uh, a very, a very tolerated drinking podcaster. Somewhat tolerated. That was backhanded. Uh, well, oh. we shall keep we shall keep our eyes on the breaking news while we talk our way through a political thriller tonight that involves another high profile fictional election. Look at us, all topical and shit. Heck uh, yeah. But fret, pros. but fret not, loyal listeners and viewers out there. Our movie tonight, this isn't uh, James Judy Dench and uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Tonight we feature a political thriller that stars Captain Kirk and the Doctor from The Love Boat. Yes. So don't fear for one millisecond that your favorite party podcast is getting all serious on you. Party on, fellas. Just the way TNCC should cover an election. Oh, you yeah. have Doc from the Love Boat reporting in? Cheers. Well, we uh, we got a uh, – I was talking with Skip Martin of Rumble Crab about going down there tonight and doing a show in Austin at Roma HQ, and he wanted to do a political thriller of his own that I'd never heard of, and it did not star the Doctor from the Love Boat, so I had to put the kibosh on that. Uh, <laughs> I know our listeners. Um. And they know us, and that's why you're here. And thank you very much for joining us once again. Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 126. That's a lot of beers, boys. That's a lot of beers. That is a lot of beers. What's 126 times 12? That's how many beers I probably drank over the course of this show. You know what? I'm going to pull up the old calculator. There's the ones that we drink during the planning. And then there's, oh, the yeah. pre-show there's beers. always the pre-show oh, God. beers, yeah. the pre-show beers. But if you just count, let's say an average, I drink an average of 12 beers from pregame through the show, sometimes more, never less. What about your preparation beers? I'm not, let's not even go there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but dude, if you just do that times 125 shows, that's over 1500 beers. That's a lot of beers, man. A lot of that beers. That is an American hero. Or some shit like that. <laughs> well, after a highly successful and very inebriated March to Halloween, where we introduced y'all to a slew of fantastic horror films, we're leaving that genre in the dust for now, as it's time to tackle some other things and do it the only way we know how. And how do we do it, boys? Drunk. Drunk? No, Drunk? I'm asking you, how do we do it? I forgot. Oh. Uh, I, need, I need your help. Beers, we'll do that to you. I need your help or the show stops here. Uh, uh, no, of course. Yaks, what do we do every episode? We do three things. We do 
them well. Yes, well, enjoy or hope to enjoy a delicious, or hopefully delicious premium cigar paired with what could hopefully be a delicious craft beer paired with what hopefully will be a cinematic jewel. A cinematic gem uh, off in the likes you've maybe not heard of. I think tonight will be one of those. And maybe we can shine our unique spotlight on it, and uh, you'll be better off for it. Um, but if not, hey, you know, it's free. So you can't complain. It's free. didn't cost you anything. Grab you a beer and just hang on. Join the party. And thank you uh, once again for, for joining us all these many, what, six years? Is that what we said? Yes. Jeez. Jeez. I'm going to switch things up a little bit tonight. I'm going to talk about the cigar first so we can light up. Because I am craving, as Yak Boy said, a delicious premium cigar. Tonight we are smoking. Hey, it's a political movie. Nothing more political than getting up on your soapbox and voicing your opinion. We are smoking the soapbox by Dissident. It's a big one. It's a big oh, yeah. Really nice looking cigar. It is a 6.75 by 54, which classifies it as a Toro Gordo. Brazilian wrapper. My expert uh, cigar, Sommelier Senses, is picking up that Brazilian aroma. Ecuadorian binder and pure Nicaraguan filler. This one... Uh, was blended and manufactured at Fabrica Oveja Negra in Esteli, Nicaragua, which, as we know, is That's the uh, Black Works people, the Black Works gang, and the Black Label uh, Trading Company gang. So, uh, I will say this: this is our old friend Benjamin Holt cigar. We first met Benjamin Ben. We're friends. I think I can call him Ben. Um, when we did our first, when we started going out to TJ Cigar Lounge in McGregor, Texas, he was working there, and uh, he kind of welcomed us with open arms. I was kind of Facebook friendly with him, but he was very cool to us when he worked there. Not long after that, he went to work as a rep, uh, sales rep for Black Label, and they're mm-hmm. kind of associated brands. He did that for several years, and then in 2019, I believe, I believe at the beginning of last year. He acquired the long dormant dissident brand, uh, which I don't think had been active since about 2015. He bought the brand name and he resurrected those dormant brands. Uh, I think they had three core core lines, the soapbox, the home and the block. And uh, so those were his initial three offerings. And we actually took tonight's cigar we haven't featured on the show for. We have yet to feature the same cigar on the podcast twice in a row, accidentally. Yeah. We've revisited some things, but we haven't done it accidentally because we got drunk and forgot. But uh, we actually, this is the cigar I took with us, speaking of Rumacraft. Last time we were down there, Skip challenged me to bring him an unbanded cigar that I was really digging at the time and give it to him and get his his expert analysis on it. And thankfully, for Ben anyway, uh, <laughs> Skip, really, Skip really liked it. Um, he had some real complimentary stuff to say, so that worked out. That worked out well. But I, I, I have smoked quite a few of these soapboxes. I think Tut, you have as well. Yeah, and, it's probably a, the cigar I have smoked most this year, to be honest. Oh wow. Okay. 
Um, well, I can't say that, but I have smoked quite a few, and I, I, I really like it. And with a smaller brand like Dissident, I've just been kind of waiting for the right moment to kind of give it some airtime and give it the uh, the attention on the show it deserves. I thought about doing a written review, but to be honest, our our podcast episode pages and our podcast reviews get a lot more traction behind them than uh, our, our web reviews. So I've been waiting and I've been sitting on this one for a while, but with, with us on this eve of uh, political nonsense, I thought, what better time to get up on our soapbox and talk about the soapbox? Boy, it'd be weird after that kind of build-up if we shit all over the cigar tonight, right? Uh, I don't see that happening, but you never know. Maybe we'll get a bad beer pairing, or maybe we'll maybe we'll get a bad cigar. It's possible. Um, no, no, no. My uh, my canvas team has been out on the street going cigar to cigar. Uh, we feel like we've got a very good feel of what the cigar electric is uh, thinking about. And I think we're going to have a good night tonight. I really do. Uh, I, li- I like your prediction, Tut. Uh, man, it's kind of got some oils to the the wrapper. Um, it's a, it's a pretty cigar. Um, it's big, but it's, it's got some real nice oil to the touch. And for me, that cold draw is rich, juicy sweetness. It's like, uh, like putting a red man chaw in your mouth, that real juicy uh, tobacco. I, that's all I got on the cold draw was sweet. What about you, boys? Oh, I was supposed to do the cold draw thing? Yeah, it's kind of what you've been doing for 125 episodes now. It looks like Tut decided to shake things up on his own. Yeah, you know what? Okay. I... Tut said, yeah. fuck this cold draw. I'm lighting this some bitch up. Yak boy, did you bother? Yeah, but Yak boy, did you bother to try out the cold draw at all? Did. Rich, rich, juicy red man sweetness? A little bit, yes. I, I I don't know if I I wouldn't know if I would classify it as red man sweetness, I but I definite a sweetness. Yeah, I'm, I, I've never gotten a, a red man sweetness off of the cold draw on this thing. Have you ever put a wad of red man in your mouth? Oh, I've had red That's man. Tobacco. That's tobacco. That's tobacco. Oh, whoa! <laughs> Why just this afternoon? Back oh. in my twenties, you often couldn't catch me with a beach bum in my mouth. Uh, yeah. Wait, I mean beach nut. Whoa! Wait, wait, no. What? A beach bum's nuts? The hell? My God, the aroma off this thing is majestic. Yeah, it's, it is. You get that nice. blast of uh, get that blast of Nicaraguan mineral across the palate uh, when you come through there. Boom. Well, I'm getting the uh, the mineral and earth on the draw. I'm getting a, just a really yeah. Ting- I'm that's what I'm really, talking about. I'm getting a really tingling jalapeno spice on the nose from that Brazilian wrapper. Uh, it is. I can agree with you on that spice. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a that's not a black pepper or white pepper. That's pure vegetable 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 vegetable. Uh, yeah. Does this cla- does this classify as vegetable? Can I just use this in place of other foods? Oh, in my daily yes. food log on my phone when I'm tracking my calorie stuff, I do log cigars as vegetables. I mean, they're leaves. Mm-hmm. Why is a salad? Salad's just leaves, so is a cigar. Ugh. Only I'd been doing that sooner. This is a line of thinking that I agree with. Um, okay, well, uh, man, yeah, the initial impressions for me, earthiness and mineral on the on the draw, 
really great jalapeno spice on the nose. Um, but this thing has some surprises in store for us, if history repeats itself uh, from my previous smoking. So I'm going to come back to it soon. Uh, we, yeah. just, we just fired up, but I wanted to get that going. So Yak Boy could tell us what we're all drinking tonight. Yak Boy, what are you drinking tonight? Beer. Okay, what's what's Doctor drinking tonight? No, no, I I went, of course, because of the theme of our thing, our movie, and just the way this election currently feels. Uh, just, I, I'm going with the shit show IPA. And well, I've got the Wake Up Dead Nitro. <laughs> is that wish- from uh, Left Hand Brewing? Is that wishful thinking? It's wishful thinking. It is a uh, Left Hand Brewing, of course. Very well known for their uh, milk stout. Uh, very well mm-hmm. known for their doing nitro beers. Uh, I believe like I said, I, is it nitro. I believe we did the left hand milk stout on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we that's did. Very good stout. Uh, and I saw this one. I was like, "Hey, another nitro from left hand. I'm going to try it out." Of course, like I said, left hand brewing out of Longmont, Colorado, started back in uh, early '90s, '93, I believe. Um, the Wake Up Dead uh, is a Russian imperial stout. So also I thought, hey, Russia, we've got some negativity with them in our elections. They're, they're the ones who's actually going to determine this election uh, as, they, <laughs> as their hackers were so tirelessly like, putting in votes. I figured that was enough of a tie-in to both this election movie and – current politics so far you're in the lead pairing wise yak boy i mean you're, you're the only one but you're you're the front runner so far and uh the wake the wake up dead is a little bit of a powerhouse 10 percent oh ABV my god and around uh 40 45 ibus so are you getting any bitterness out of it whatsoever uh surprisingly no i figured at that 10 percent, I, I was like i was wondering if i was going to taste any sort of you know, slight alcohol to it, but no, um, it's, it tastes fantastic. I mean, it looks fantastic. I mean, it is just pitch black. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bitterness with a beer. I thought he was going to say, Hey, it's 10% ABV. I've dropped all my bitterness towards everything. <laughs> Two of these. I'm not bitter about shit. Great. Well, except, well, you, except you guys. I'm surprised. I was like, I figured at 45 IBUs, there would be something, but I'm really not getting, I guess, that or I'm just really used to bitterness, and it takes that next level for me to pick it up now. I imagine curse you IPAs, curse you. I imagine that's probably pairing fairly well with the cigar in the early goings. It is. Okay. Um, so far, so good. I mean, like I said, see where we go about when we get to about halfway on this thing, and give it another. Okay, well, it's a big honking cigar, so we've got a little journey ahead of us. Uh, what's the doctor drinking tonight? What are you sipping on, Doc? Show us. The good doctor from the Steam Theory Brewing Company there in uh, Dallas, Texas. They are cool? is the Singularity Blonde Ale. Uh, Steam Theory here is actually really fairly new. It started back in about 2018. Uh, it is a, it is technically a brew pub, so you know they, they cook food there on site. Uh, it's a very new, very nice facility. I, I saw some pictures. I don't know. Have you been there, Doc? I have not. I, I I would it interests me. I'd like to go. It looked like a really nice little place. I say little. 
It's about an 8,000 square foot facility. So uh, just a little, just a little, yeah. but uh, the singularity, it is a blonde ale. Uh, should be light, maybe a little. I, don't know, I won't say that they, they did. Bananas and cloves. I don't think there's going to be any bananas. Look at up none of that. No. I I just say that to piss off Tutton. Uh, a little bit of you know, be sweet. <coughs> Excuse me. But not not overly, I think. Doctor, is that your assessment? So far, yes. Very light. Uh, I think it said it has 20 IBUs, which is what you'd expect, I guess, from a blonde or thereabouts. Um, there is what you may think of as a weak tie-in, but for me, singularity is to represent the singular person that is William Shatner. Wow. You're going deep. Yes. So deep, I don't understand it. He's one of a kind. He is one of a kind. The singular William Shatner. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's kind of got his own little niche. Okay, okay. Doctor, you're in second place on the pairing uh, contest for the evening. Second out of two, so... It's close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is Tuttle drinking tonight, Yak Boy? Uh, good Tuttle. He, he picked... The Spencer's Brewing Monks Reserve. It is a uh, Trappist quadruple. Whoa. Yes. It also, too, is actually, his, his, is, his is a 10.2% ABV. Uh, um, should be, I, I, don't, I didn't find anything for IBUs, but considering it's that it shouldn't be overly hoppy in any way. The alcohol, uh, the alcohol the sp- would kill whatever hops tried to make their voices heard. It's going to be a lively show but, tonight. And uh, I mean, and of course this is an interesting one. This is the only Trappist brewery in the U S interesting. Yes. Uh, located up in uh, Massachusetts. It's a, uh, originally it was a, uh, uh, it was Trappist monks, but they, only recently got into brewing beer. Uh, went along, sort of. They, they noticed with the ch- t- changing times and everything. Before that, they were they were primarily, uh, you know, making vodka, vodka drinkers. No. Oh. Not not these monks. Uh, Wait, these, actually, are, these, are, these are monks in America. Yes. Hey, there's. We have monks. Yes. Yes. Still. Where, where's this beer we have, from? Where, we have all kinds. This? this is from uh, Massachusetts. Yeah. Okay. So we got it Massachusetts is, monks making beer up there. Right. Mm-hmm. But in, and more specifically, they are what no, is known as Trappist monks. So as there are other beers in other Trappist monasteries in Europe, and they also brew beer, these guys eventually started doing it as well. Uh, they a group of them uh, actually were given permission. They had to, to get permission from their uh, the the head, the abbot, and he let them basically take. Well, it wasn't like two years solid, but they went and stayed with the other monks at the at the other breweries to learn how to brew beer from them. So oh. they took that, came back here, and started brewing beer. If you're going to devote yourself to a life of celibacy, you may as well make your own 10% alcohol here. 
Yes. Thank Thank you, God. If you're a single guy and you're not getting laid, that might not be a bad move. I think it's a pretty good move, actually. Well, I think they're not doing it because they're not getting laid, but because of their devotion to God. Can they, like, order better expression (laughs) of godliness? Of course, but I'm just saying, I mean, can they, like, order pizza and watch, like, action movies and stuff, too? Yes. They just just can't have sex or talk. I, I, I don't know what the particulars are. Oh, I think they can talk. Yeah, it's not yes. like Franciscan monks who can't talk. You think like if one's like shaking the hops into the thing and he's like, the other guy's like, and they're like, get, no. Like, yeah, man, they could be so like, dude, stop shaking the hops. So they can't speak. I thought monks had to take a vow of silence. No, not all of no. them. It just depends no, no, their, no. That, that's, a, that's actually a personal choice. Oh. Not going to be silent for very long, drinking 10% beers. <laughs> That's true, too. You know what, Father Bartholomew? There's something I've always wanted to say to you. If if the other monks came in your room and you had a chicken there, could you be like, oh, I thought celibacy was a personal choice? That's a pretty hard rule. You don't want to. Okay. I always hey, I'm thought... new here. I'm new here. <laughs> Look, it's my first five years. I, I, I got confused. <laughs> Like, why don't you just go back to being silent again, pal? <laughs> uh, okay, well, that's cool. Um, I'm learning a lot tonight, boys. I hope you are, too. And it oh, yes. is good. It is really, really good. Uh, there was a, an Austin bar here that had uh, that served nothing but the trap to sale on, the, uh, on their wall. So that was actually my first exposure. And this, so when I saw this, there's no tie-in. I just saw this, and I was like, I really want to try this beer. Yeah, when you uh, – I was you... looking for something that – I was looking for something that would be a little bit more hefty to to go with this cigar to, to kind of see if I could push it around a little bit. Uh, and this so far is just really, really good. Uh, it's not It's not medicinal. It's not bitter. It's got a lot of bright flavors coming through it, so I'm I'm really kind of good. But it's also malt, uh, a heavy malt taste to it, so of, I'm I'm really I'm really liking it. A little bit of everything, huh? Well, most quadruples are. Yeah, that's why I like quads. It's funny. Uh, the one night you and Yaks both go above the ten percent line, and this is like the only show in forever that I went with a pussy beer. <laughs> uh, Yaks, what am I drinking? You are drinking from the New Belgian Brewing Company. I'm a fan of New Belgian Brewing. Located in Fort Collins, Colorado. Most well known for producing their Fat Tire beer. Which I don't like. Which you don't like. You are drinking the Voodoo Ranger American Haze IPA. It is a New England style IPA, so it has less of the wonderful hot bite. This, I, I'm not sure if I wrote it nice. down wrong or if I found it wrong. It says it's only 30 IBUs. Does that say that on the can? Does it say 30 IBUs? Uh, it doesn't. It does have the the ABV, but it does not have the IBUs. Uh, I I would I wouldn't contest that. It's it's a uh, it's actually. Prior to drinking this one tonight, I drank their Juicy Haze IPA, um, right. which that seemed around the 30 mark. I would put the American – and that, by the way, that beer was not good. 
the American Haze is somewhat better. Uh, I'm surprised because I do not like New England-style IPAs. Um, but the movie's all about America. We're talking about America. America's in the air right now uh, with the election and everything. So I, I went with that. Um, and because, as I've mentioned before in the show, New Belgium sponsored my first film I, I directed, and they gave us a bunch of free beer. So I'm always wanting to show them a little bit of love, even though I very rarely like their beers. We have a breaking beer alert. New Belgium Brewery brews beer, and Cade is a fan of New Belgium Brewing. That's been a breaking beer alert. That's Thank you, Tut. That is a hot lead. Thank you, Tut. Uh, keep 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 on that ticker. Keep keep letting us know. Um, yeah, maybe I, I put a little bit higher, especially compared to the uh, the other juicy haze. I put this in the mid 40s, uh, but it's a much more streamlined IPA than their the American Haze and their Juicy Haze. Um, it's got a fairly mild kind of a citrusy aroma to it, and the the beer itself is just uh, it's a hazy IPA. It's unfiltered. It's um, it's murky. It's got just a not enough hops, but it's it does have some nice flavors, and it's certainly not competing with the cigar. So uh, we'll we'll see how it plays out. Um, I may have made not a mistake pairing wise, but a mistake beer wise, because now I'm really jealous of you guys and your fucking mega beers. It's uh, you shouldn't be. They 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 taste delicious. Yeah, yeah. Mine was uh, beer, but I was sniffing glue out in the parking lot. I will. Uh, I will say this, while you were describing everyone's beers, very well done, Yak Boy. My draw on this sucker, look first of all, look at that ash. Uh, it's got a solid, chunky white ash. The earth and the mineral have taken a backseat to a really creamy coffee note on that draw that is just delicious. Um, I'm still getting the earth and the mineral underneath it, but that that kind of French roast coffee with some cream is Taken over, baby. I love it. Well, yeah, see, I'm glad you said that because I'm. I was I was concerned because I'm sitting here drinking this wonderful, thick, creamy coffee tasting beer. I'm like, that that cigar, man, it tastes so good. It's not your beer. It's a it, <laughs> this, this cigar goes to some creamy places, much like the doctor. Uh, Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> would you agree, Tut? Uh, I, I, I would if I, I could mean, ever. Taste I know, cream. I know you don't get cream in cigars, but do you get the coffee presence? And do you get do a? You get, do you get about an inch in that it kind of smooths out a little bit? Uh, to Pain me, style. not. <laughs> <laughs> to me, not really. But I do. Uh, I do get more of the coffee presence coming in. I still get the, uh, a nice mineral in there. But what mm-hmm. I really kind of notice is that the uh, retro hill has a sweetness to it. It's not just that jalapeno pepper in there. There's a little bit of a, like, right on that back side of that throat. When you just start that retro hell, there's yeah. a little bit of hint of sweetness that I like. So kind of in between the draw and the retro hell, in the back of your throat, there's a little something there. That's right. Don't fall for it, Tut. Don't fall for that one. little something there. Okay. Well, before we get into uh, tonight's film, our, our third component of what we do, like no one else, I was outvoted tonight uh, 
we did the boot of remembrance for Eddie Van Halen last episode. I thought we did a really good job of paying tribute to uh, to Edward. And we've lost, in the meantime, someone else, uh, a very familiar face to anyone who loves film. Uh, Sean Connery died like two, three days ago. And I gave him a thumbs down for filling the boot of remembrance. And you guys very quickly said, no, we're doing bastard. We're doing this. Um, so I was like, all right, we'll do it. But I ain't talking about him. And don't get me wrong. I, it's not that I don't like Sean Connery. I thought he was. Well, a, it sounds like you don't like him. I it, thought, it pretty much is. You can't couch this. If you're like, uh, he's not worthy of the boot of, of if, no, if he's not worthy it, of the boot after all of his accomplishments, you just don't like him. When it comes to Bond, I'm a Roger Moore guy. Well, sure. And when it comes to Sean Connery, I thought he was a very good Bond, and I enjoyed his Bond films. But after Bond, man, I'll be, I'll, I'm just going to admit, he didn't really do much for me on screen. So that's I, not the TNCC way. I, I just, uh, being honest, but you guys feel differently. So one of you guys, uh, say a little something about this guy and I'll, the guy who doesn't in a big fan will take care sure of he, you. Make sure right, he gets I'll, to heaven. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll keep it short for, you know, he born, Thomas Sean Connery, August 25th, 1930, Edinburgh, Scotland. So he was, and then of course he passed here on October 31st, 2020. How old was he? Good run. He was 90. It's a good run. Damn good run. 90. So, I mean, you can't say that he he didn't live a full life. Good run. Good run, Rax. But, of course, I mean, we yes, we all remember him as James Bond. Thank God. You know, I'm not saying I, – I will agree with you. I'm not saying that he was the best. I, too, am I'm a fan of Roger Moore. But I do. there are certain films that I think, you know, encapsulated the character and really made it stick in. And it has been one – you know, if it wasn't for him, we would have never gotten to Roger Moore. That, that, that's a very apt point. And I will admit, the very first Bond movie I saw, my grandmother took me to see the one where he had gone away and then came back. Was it Never Say Never Again? Yes. And that was the first one I actually saw in the theater. Um, so he was my first introduction to Bond. My, my grandma, Kate, and I, um, that was our thing. We watched uh, James Bond movies together. And as a kid, though, you watch Never Say Never Again. The coolest thing in that one, I thought, was when he poured that cup of piss into the guy's face at the <laughs> hospital. And the guy was like, oh, my eyes. And he looked at the the, the beaker and it said Bond. <laughs> it was like, what the hell am I pissing? Uh, but, but then when she took me to see Moonraker, or when I saw Moonraker after that, I was, I was just all Roger Moore after, which I know adults don't like Moonraker, but as a kid, Moonraker rocked. Uh, oh, I still oh, have a soft spot for Moonraker. Yeah, but okay, I'm sorry, Yax, I interrupted your your beautiful eulogy. But um, you know, he he began you know just in small theater productions, 
uh, of course, I mean, yes, the Bond role was his big breakout. And then, uh, it, of course, the success that it brought him from that led him to do and go on to and, and be able to work and make actually just, I mean, the uh, Highlander. the highest grossing actor I? in the 90s. No. Yes. No. What, because of The Rock? Well, the Rock, Entrapment, uh, Hunt for Red October, uh, uh, The I Untouchables. Forgot. I forgot about the Untouchables would have been in the late eighties. The late eighties okay, also was the, the highest grossing Rose? actor in the eighties. Thank you, Doctor. I'm totally making up this highest grossing. Here's a, here's thing. a, here's a good one for Ted. He's drinking a beer made by monks. We're afraid about the name of the rose. The name of the rose. He did a cameo in the longest day. Uh, oh come on, Highlander. He was also Zardos. Zardos, the or best Zardat. thong in the world. Zardaz? Zardaz. I don't know, but for the last 25 years, that's been the Doctor's Halloween costume, and it always goes over like gangbusters. It is my favorite costume. That red mankini has never looked better on anybody than it does on the TNCC's very own Doctor. I just don't know which one I like. Do I like the Do I like the red thong, or do I like the knee-high stripper boots that he wears? It's the combination and the I doctor, so. when he when the when he walks in the party, the doctor just starts writing prescription pads, and the prescription, horny pills. That's what you're gonna get. Horny pills. Watching him walk around in that. <laughs> this never actually happened, but all buying the legend. <laughs> <sighs> oh, this is how the Travis Tritt tours got started, by the way. I, uh, hey, he actually in a few movies had some Travis Tritt hair. He had some long hair in some movies. Uh, the Rock, he oh, had yeah. that long silver streak, and uh, Zardoz, he had that sweet ponytail. Uh, yes. Okay. Oh, well, it's something that you guys would never watch: uh, Finding Forrester. Yeah, I saw Finding Forrester. It was good. Your only limitations, son, are yourself. Whatever the fuck that. I just remember his thing from the commercial. I kept on seeing. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> oh, dude, that was the that was the Finding Forrester trailer. You're the man now, dog. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> and every middle-aged white woman in the audience was going, yes, yes. Oh, and don't forget his appearances on Jeopardy, uh, where he delivered classic lines such as "Shuck it, Trebek." The uh, uh, Daryl Hammond George for a hundred. The Daryl Hammond uh, impression uh, was great. phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I, why I said thumbs down. I just he didn't mean a lot to me other than Bond. But you know what? Unlike what Russia wants, we're a democracy, and Russia can't hack into our votes for the Buddha Remembrance. Wouldn't it be weird if they did? Like we all three said no to Sean Connery, and all of a sudden it was like. We're doing this. Okay. How'd that happen? <laughs> Putin's like... Oh, it's yeah. called, called From Russia With Love. I'll take famous <laughs> whores for 3000 Alex. <laughs> Notice your, Who's your mother? Still sore from last night, are you? <laughs> <laughs> the day is mine. <laughs> hey, that's what sealed it. The day is mine. Well, uh, as you long-time listeners know... <laughs> And you new listeners are about to find out. <laughs> Go to our YouTube page. You'll see a video that explains this process very, very well on our homepage. 
whenever a cultural icon dies that a majority of us uh, hold special in our hearts, whether it be a musician, an actor, a filmmaker, uh, you name it, we uh, vote. If they get the vote, they get the privilege of us filling the boot of remembrance. And by doing that, we capture their soul into the boot. And it is used to be when we could all join here in the corner of no hope, our collective duty to chug the boot and release that soul into our bodies, which would then release it into the cosmos and out of purgatory and into its final resting place, whether that be heaven or hell, that's not up to us. We don't have that kind of cloud, but it all starts with the pouring of the boot and the chugging of the boot. So I will do that now. Now it just rests on you, Cade. Only you have the power to send me back. Isn't it funny that the one guy who didn't vote for him is the one who's responsible for his goddamn soul? I'll take eight That's how for $800. What was that, that doctor? Eat, and you have no money left. <laughs> of course, I expect someone like you to say that with your fancy walk and your Dago mustache. <laughs> All right, you know what? I've, I've lately been using a 24-ounce butt ice for the boot just because it's hard to chug craft beers as much as a domestic. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and empty a whole a whole Voodoo Ranger American Haze IPA. American? You're going to send me off with that crap? Uh, yeah, I should, probably should have just done a... A little bit of scotch whiskey or something, but uh, how does a scotch... How told me heading to you last night, Trebek. <laughs> <laughs> how does a scot become uh, James Bond? The same way he became a Russian submarine captain. He's just cool. That's yeah, how great he acting. is. Acting. And a Chicago Irish beat cop. And a Chicago Irish... Well, you know the Irish were up there. And whatever he was in Zartas. And did you guys know he was up for the role of Bodie, Patrick Swayze's role in Point Break? What? I just made that yeah. up. Okay. That was something that's I like. A, yeah, that's a... <laughs> I'm not going to paddle my way to New Zealand. <laughs> All right. Here we go. With this, I will release Sean Connery's soul. He's been just hanging out, dangling in the cosmos. And now I'm going to finally give that bastard some peace. Dangling in your cosmos, Trebek. (laughs) Here we go. This will be riveting for you podcast viewers. For you YouTube listeners, this is going to be pure sex. I really thought it'd be longer than that. He's gone. (sighs) Well chugged, Trebek. I'd say you learned something from your mother. (laughs) Oh, the day is mine. Uh, I had a successful chug of the boot, the finishing move, the face wipe of the foam, and Mr. Connery is now sent off in style. So uh, 
All right, we had to do it. And speaking of 007, do you boys know who is also a smooth, one-of-a-kind character, only he wasn't fictional at all, believe it or not? Who's that? That's right, Todd. I'm talking about the one, the only, Pappy Van Winkle. He actually existed. He actually existed. And as a tribute to one of the most legendary names in American bourbon history, the cigar-making wizards over at Drew Estate have concocted a very special cigar in his honor. The Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Grande Fabrica, Drew Estate, in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation. I keep wanting to say this like Connery. Deep barrel ferment. Uh, Deep barrel fermentation. Is the key process that makes its expression vastly different from anything else on the market. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes. Well, that's kind of Australian. I, I don't do accents. I don't, I need stuff. Which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water is then added while immense pressure is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks. The tobacco is removed two, three times per year, shaken out, then repacked. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Pappy Van Winkles Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at brick-and-mortar Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. Seek it out. Seek it out like your mother did, Trebek. That might have been a joke too far. I I'm getting the idea that the pen is mightier. The category is the pen is mightier. And now we'll move on. I'm getting the idea that you guys like the SNL thing more than you actually like Connery. And maybe true. Only that guy could actually do the voice pretty good. Doctor, yours is yours is good. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we have all of our uh, order of business out of the way, the Buddha Remembrance. You know what we're drinking. You sure know what we're smoking. Let me take another puff real quick. That's what your mother said last night, Trebek. (laughs) (laughs) The podcast is mine. (laughs) How did they never talk him into getting on SNL and, like, actually doing that? Actually doing that character? Yeah. Uh, Uh, He does not like people that do... Impressions of him. You guys still on the same page with the cigar? Uh, is, is anybody else toasting up on the uh, that back of that retro hill on the retro hill? I'm getting a bit of toast creeping in there. I'll be honest, that sweet spot you've got in the back of your throat. Insert Connery jab there. I don't have a midway. Like I either get it through my nose or on the draw. I don't have like a weird middle ground back there where I pick stuff up. Well, I inserted yeah, I get, my I get jab, like all right. <laughs> right back there. Right in the back of your throat, huh? Right back there. Super sensitive. Comes up, it pops down, it pops against the back like a like a layover. It's like boop, boop. So stuff just pops in back there. Huh. Huh. Okay. Learning all sorts of stuff tonight, aren't we, Doctor? We certainly are. All right, all right. Doctor, would that be Doctor? Would that be your olfactory gland back there? No, olfactory is your sense of smell. Hmm. So. Uh, I thought because it was connected, you know, kind of on their way up to your nose, maybe that was. Uh, uh no. Um, Honestly, Tut, I'm getting your little toastiness with that jalapeno on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um. 
So let's just recap real quick. A bready kind of toasted note combined with the jalapeno at the end of the first third <clears throat> through the retrohale. Yeah. Earth and mineral have been now joined by a creamy coffee note on the draw. That's why we're featuring this cigar. It's consistent because that's you got what some I, wizardry going on right here. And it's consistent because that's what I've that's the kind of profile I've got every one of these I've smoked um, over the last year. So uh, it is consistent, and that's fucking hard to do when you have not the same person rolling not the same leaves. Uh, it's a handmade thing. There's going to be some variances, but overall, this is what I get from a soapbox, and that's why I wanted to show it tonight. Yeah. All right. The third part of our triad of awesomeness is the movie. And tonight we're going to talk about 1998's Land of the Free. Well, we're going to get to that music. Oh, my God. Written by Maria James, whose only other screenwriting credit is the Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, bizarre slapstick comedy Busted, co-starring Ron Jeremy. I've actually seen that flick, and it's pretty out there. Uh, it's something. No shit. <laughs> yeah. I have not seen it. <laughs> Can you believe that? A slapstick, naked gun-style buddy comedy uh, starring the the Corys and Ron Jeremy. It's something. <laughs> it's wow. something. Tut, that's where you need to come in with the breaking news. <laughs> that, was, that was breaking news. Uh, it's directed by a guy named Jerry Jameson, who's been the busiest directing mostly television over the course of three decades. He directed episodes of Mod Squad and The Six Million Dollar Man in the 70s, nice. Magnum P.I. Magnum Tut, and Dallas in the 80s, and Murder, She Wrote, and Walker, Texas Ranger in the 90s, and a gazillion shows surrounding those. And that explains this movie perfectly. So, <laughs> folks at home, on the iTunes and the YouTubes, I give you this. From the writer of Busted, starring the two Corys and Ron Jeremy, and the director of one episode of Jake and the Fat Man, tonight we give you Land of the Free. I believe this is our first political thriller feature on the podcast, maybe? Who knows? I don't know. I don't think we've done many political tied in one. movies, no? No. We did that a couple years ago. We did that uh, Illuminati conspiracy movie at the end yeah, of the year. Like that, was, that was like a secret political society. That, that doesn't really have anything to do with like just a, two couple dudes. Yeah, it was just two dudes out in the woods. Uh, well, they were they... two dudes out in the woods, wouldn't you, Tuttle? <laughs> I'll say I'm glad you guys chose to give the boot to Sean Connery. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor. <laughs> Land of the Free is the story of a California senatorial candidate, Aiden Carvel, played by William Shatner. Oh. Who uses his office to shield his criminal activities while his campaign manager, Frank Jennings, played by Jeff Speakman, fights for the truth. And it's easy to hide his activities with a twinkle in his eye. 
He's a charismatic uh, mofo for sure. And no, this is not based on a true story of a, <laughs> as it was, it was released in 1998, unless writer Maria James time traveled ahead 20 years or so, but I doubt that's the case. Doctor, has the scientific community, your peers, made any advances in time travel as far as you know? Because if they, if they have, I'd like to go back to 1982 right now. Uh, mine. God, Cade, if I could go back in time and just live perpetually on a wheel from 1982 to 1989, I would. So, no, sir. No, as far as I know, no advances have been made in the science of time travel. Do you still keep in touch with any of your colleagues at uh, the Puskipi Institute of Technology, the pits? I'm afraid I've been shunned by them. Oh, I didn't know. I, I would not have brought it up. I'm sorry. Well, it's because those plebeians are afraid of real science. They're fake science. They're fake science. Like Fauci. Speaking uh, of real science, can I truncate that from 82? No, I'll even go to 81 to 85, maybe 86. Oh, I was yeah, going to cap it at 86. I was going to go bigger. I was going to go like 80, 82 to 96. That was that, That'd be a great run. Yeah, I'm not yeah. liking the 90s. I'm not liking I dug, the 90s. I dug the, the first part of the 90s quite a bit. I don't don't want grunge to ruin my hair, my hair band. The world was better before grunge. I'm just sorry I'm saying it like it is. Eh. Okay. Well, interesting debate. Old words. But no, uh, Mr. K, we, uh, God, good. L- luckily, Kurt Cobain and Lane Staley and those guys died before we had a podcast. Or I, I'm guessing Tut would have vetoed the boot of remembrance for all those guys. Actually, no, I would have supported it for Cobain. He eradicated a genre. Two two real albums that guy had. He eradicated an entire genre and only two albums. But you just said that you detested the fact that grunge eradicated your hair bands. I do detest it, but you cannot object to the talent. I mean, the dude moved the entire culture in two albums. We don't want big hair. We want ratty old sweaters. Right. We like, we like this now. Yay. Did he move it, or was he simply riding the wave of change that was? Oh, He moved it. He moved it. Life imitates art. Kate, what was Homer Simpson's grunge band? Sad okay, guy? he might have tapped into an underculture of youth and then we, rode that wave, but he was the voice of that generational wave. Dr. Homer Simpson's grunge band was what? Sadgasm? Sadgasm, yeah. Sadgasm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, guys, not to go off on a musical tangent, but there was one, we already band, have. There was one band that thrived in the hair metal uh, era in through the grunge and continued to make the most amazing music, and I happen to be wearing their shirt tonight. Here it comes. Faith No More, baby. They surpassed all genres. They incorporated all genres. They existed on a plane, much like the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, all of their own. They made their own rules, and they paid attention to what no one else was doing. And that's why they're the greatest band that ever lived. I enjoy your enthusiasm. And that is not fake news. 
So let's start off by talking about the lamest opening credit sequence we've ever sat through in six years of doing this thankless horseshit. Oh. As we watch an American flag float in the breeze, and they like mon- they like dissolve into like a different part of the flag, and they dissolve into like the stripes and the stars. A horrible synthesizer score plays some kind of half-assed patriotic music with an occasional dark, like low note dropped in occasionally as the credits roll over it. It's a, it's a yeah. Do 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 do. It's like the uh, the the upper side is just hum Donnie most, and that's the song. It's Don Most. It's Don Most now. I'm still grappling with it's, the fact it's that like the, uh, the podcast is six years of thankless horseshit. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? You did. Oh. <laughs> and I actually typed that. That, that. that shows you how strong my emotions are in this. Uh, <laughs> this score by Stephen Cohn is absolutely terrible. And they use this same piece of terrible opening music throughout the movie at terribly inappropriate times. We'll get to that. Even if this film was somehow good, which it isn't, it would never have had a chance of success paired with this weak-ass attempt at music. Am I oh right? Oh, my God, is the most horrible score well, When I you described that he had, had just... And, I will, and I, will, I will keep coming back to this score for every five minutes. You need to get through this movie as fast as possible because I'm going to keep coming back to this crap. It is the worst, by far, a show of hands, the worst musical score we've ever featured on the podcast. It's pretty bad because... Oh, I'm sorry. I can't vote twice. We've all picked up on it. Oh, my God. It's terrible. It seemed to shift, too. Like, it would go from, we're doing a patriotic theme to, uh oh, now danger's afloat. Yeah, but but, but even the danger stuff, they kept doing that same horrible patriotic theme. Like, I'm going to give you guys some... I'm going to give you guys some variations of this to play with. By the way, uh, they're all total, total shit. Okay, we'll see what we can do. Jerry Cohn or Stephen Cohn or whatever the hell his name was. So, the film opens up with uh, Donald Trump's, sorry, Aiden Carvel's opening campaign speech of the movie. And here's what he says. This will kind of set you up for what kind of character this guy is. I'm not going to do Tut's Shatner impression here because I, I don't do a Shatner impression. But here's what he says to the mass of... 20 people gathered outside. We have a choice. It's up to us, the people, to make this country great. I'm here to speak for you, all of you, the old, the sick, you who've been ignored by your country. I'll be your voice. I'll be your conscience. I felt your pain, and I know what you want. Pride in your country. Health for your children. Security. What happened to those men in Washington? Why have they forgotten you? Because they've been there too long with their hands out, their fingers taking your money, your freedom, your opportunity. And if you leave them in office, they'll take your life. Both fists up. My triumph will be your triumph. Together, we will make a difference. And the crowd waving U.S. American flags. Yeah, you got it. You got it. That's good. Yeah. Holding up signs that say, if you hate Carvel, then you hate America. And wearing little red, white, and blue top hats, I'll start chanting, Carvel, Carvel. 
By the way, I'm going to need you to take the emotion down about five degrees in order I to accurately told, capture you his I delivery. I wasn't doing an impression because I'm not on horse look, tranquilizer. I love, look, I, I, love, I love Shatner. He is an absolute individual. He's a singularity and uh, he's, personality. And he sleeps he's, through this performance. You got to cut. And he does. He's asleep during this entire movie. Well, it's just like, wait, this is your charismatic cult leader that's leading free America, and that's his speech. Yeah, they don't. The, but okay, the director. I'm gonna take umbrage with that. He's asleep. Shatner to me is the best thing about this. I want more Shatner. I'm not gonna vote for Aiden Carvel. I want to vote for Shatner for president. I'm thinking they don't let him be Shatner. I don't know what was happening because normally I would agree with you. Shatner is the best thing that's in this movie, but he's the best thing just by being on screen. Uh, if if he would have even like done whatever it is that he does, it would have been even that much better. But just but he, him being on screen is enough to like elevate this movie yeah, he, a little bit because that's how he, bad the rest he, of it is. He really gives us thirty three percent Shatner in this film. I kind of thought so too. Well, the director did probably that. fairly the, certain. It's only about thirty-three percent of his normal paycheck. Well, that might have something to do with it. Unfortunately, we get one hundred and ten percent of Jeff Jeff Speakman, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, it's because we had twice the amount of Jeff Speakman. So essentially, Carvel was an actor, not in talent but in size. So essentially, Carvel wants to make America great again. And drain the swamp. That's what I heard. Good luck with that, Captain Kirk. Oh, and get this. He's a highly successful businessman who's written a best-selling book called Land of the Free, which he shamelessly plugs in anything. Hold on. You know what? No, no I'm going to agree. I'm sorry. I hate to I hate to interrupt you there, there Cade, but I'm going to agree with you, Doctor, because as I'm thinking about all the stuff that he's done a little bit after it, where he's full Shatner. I mean, even if you go into uh, what was the Eddie Murphy De Niro deal where he played the game show or the uh, beauty. Comp- no, he played a, what was it? Showtime where he played like the TJ the hooker type deal. And it was like teaching Eddie how to dude, he was full Shatner in that. And he was wonderful in it. Even when he was the beauty contestant pageant on the miscongeniality stuff, he was full Shatner. It was wonderful in it. I'm gonna agree with Shatner. you. Yeah, I think that there was some. I think there was somebody there dialing Shatner down. And the director maybe even said that, like, like, hey, Bill, gonna need to tone down your Shatner. And maybe he would have said, like, tone it down. Tone down myself. How do I tone down myself? I'm Bill Shatner. So you're uh, saying the you're saying you. you're saying the director shat all over Shatner. He may have. on I think he might. I think he might. I think there's credence to this. All right. Well, we'll never know, but it's a thread that we can explore. Uh, Carvel especially plugs his book. I think our, for now, president. Do we still have the same president? Uh, Breaking news? Has has anything changed? We have an election update. uh, Still too close to call. Also, if you go to Amazon, go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, click on you the Amazon.com banner, you can buy Trump's book, Art of the Deal. 
yeah, go go buy that. Um, well, he he especially plugs his book during his live TV interview with the doctor from the Love Boat. Uh, I forget the actor's name. I always I, I always like that guy. He's kind of just a. a I a, did too. And despite his crazy, unorthodox approach to politics, journalists like the doctor from the Love Boat just can't wrap their heads around how the American people are responding so passionately to this candidate whom the Washington Post has branded a true maverick. With this many similarities to our former, I'm wishful thinking here, our former president, Trump, I can't believe no one shined a spotlight on this stupid-ass movie during the last four years. Like oh, this, I can't. This Chandler character encapsulates so much of Trump. No one has ever brought this movie, but here we are because that's what we do. Man, I just, I just didn't see. Maybe, maybe I'm just too much of a Shatner fan. I just didn't see any. I just didn't see nearly that sort of similarity between Aiden Carvel and Trump. Dude, he's talking about making America I, great. I, he's talking about making America great again. He's talking about draining the swamp of politicians. He's saying all the right things. Yeah, but I actually believe. I actually. <laughs> you'd actually vote for him. I, actually, I, actually, I, I wanted Shatner to run for president. <laughs> yeah, I actually did get the tie-in, but it. But it's not a Trump message. It's a straight-up populist message. I mean, this is the same message every populist you know, candidate has run on. But what I'm trying to say is, do you think maybe – this was 98. It probably played on, on you know, late-night cable. Do you think one night in a Russian hotel after those chicks peed all over him, Trump turned on the TV, watched this movie, and was like, I like I – like, this is a thing. I, I'm taking notes. I don't think entirely so. possible. I, I can I can follow that theory. I'm big time on that theory. Land of the Free is partially responsible for the fucking shit show we're in right now. I don't think so. I, yeah, I have a different theory on this movie. This this really looked to me like something that yeah, it was shot in '98. Because at one point you see an LA you see an LA Confidential marquee at one point, which came out in '97. So. That's that's when that's when the movie was intended to be released. This looked to me for all the world, and Kate, I would expect you to have picked up on this too. This looked to me for all the world like something that got shelved for years. Well, no, no, no. Way down the line, somebody slapped it together and released it. I I disagree, Doctor. I think what it looked like. I think what you're getting to, I'm going to address later because everything in this movie is older. Because with this many fucking car wrecks and explosions, everyone's driving 10-year-old cars because they couldn't afford to blow up 1998 cars. So everyone's driving 80, late 80s, early 90s vehicles because, you know, they're going to get wrecked. I just thought the editing looked like something that they came back to years later and said, let's see if we can put this out. Oh, no, Doctor, well, doctor you, that's you just, that's just really with- poor filmmaking. Well, you, you mentioned it with the director. He directed all these television episodes. I mean, everything you saw there, I was just, if you literally turned on the chase music from Magnum P.I. to any of those car chases, it wouldn't look out of place. No, 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 you can't, you can't. Oh, yeah. If you, if you took away that in the middle, well, no, keep going. I'll get there. I'll get there. All right. Let me just keep going a minute. And then I'll pause. 
After that speech by a very, as we've said, sleepy William Shatner, although some of you guys thought he was less sleepy than I did, there's a clumsy assassination attempt on Carvel's life. And of all the people, his campaign manager, ex-military badass Frank Jennings, takes off in hot pursuit of the assassin, the assassin with the worst aim in the history of political assassins. No one sees this guy coming, and he just shoots everywhere around everything. Martial artist Jeff Speakman plays Frank. And while I haven't seen any of his other films, his particular style of martial arts seems to be slapping dudes hard across their face and punching them in the balls with an occasional high kick thrown in. It is That's, a little reminiscent of a Seagal's Aquino. No, no, Seagal breaks limbs. This guy just slaps you in the face and punches you in the balls. It's bad editing, though. Like the fight scene. So badass he is. So it's like you can't. It, you can't tell what's going Doctor. on. You can't see it. The director just came off directing an episode of Hunter. He doesn't have to worry about cutting Fred Dreyer punching some dude in the, in the face. This is martial arts. He doesn't have the chops to cut this shit right. You're right. It's terrible editing. But I'm not sure Speakman was doing anything so incredible that you needed some fucking expert level editing to. He just slapping dudes and punching them in the balls. I'm, I'm going to say I'm that gonna... editing didn't help it at all. Yeah, I'm going to give Speakman a break on this one because you're right. The the way it was shot and the way it was editing was horrible. Uh, I think the cat's got some moves. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give Speakman a pass punch on you, the fighting stuff. Punch you in the balls next time I see you, dude. I'm gonna slap you in the face and punch you in the balls like Speakman. Well, Speakman slapped his way onto the big screen in 1991's The Perfect Weapon which was trying hard as hell. They they promoted the hell out of this movie to ride the coattails. It was right after Steven Seagal's highly popular Hard to Kill came out. And John awesome. Jean-Claude uh, Van Damme was riding high on Bloodsport in the Kickboxer films. But where both Seagal and Van Damme had genuine screen presence, this ball-punching oh. ball turkey, he doesn't have that. No, he does not. I had to look over my shoulder there. I, I don't want to get a Speakman ball punch out of nowhere. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and with this editor, you might just get the ball punch out of nowhere. Have any of you guys seen any other Jeff Speakman films? Did any of you guys see The Perfect Weapon? His I did big, see The I've Perfect heard, Weapon. I've heard of it. it. Far from being it. The Perfect Weapon. Was it the not The Perfect Film? It was not. It was... It just literally, I mean, yeah, you're you're watching quote unquote something that made it to the big screen, but it really felt like a a, a B movie knockoff of the Seagal films. So, would you boys say I'm not alone here thinking that Speakman looks like a tight end coach for some team in the Sun Belt Conference, and he basically has the charisma of a sleeping turtle? That that fits, yes. That might look, be sold I look over my shoulder. He doesn't come at me with a, a trademark Speakman face slap. I actually think the tight end coach for Arkansas Little Rock might have a little more actual uh, charisma. Not Arkansas. You said Sunbelt. Oh, Arkansas. man, we are harsh. Uh, I believe that's Ryan Leaf, actually. I think that was his last gig. Dude, he's just... He's like a dude you're in line behind in Academy Sports buying white tennis shoes. He looked like a very unlikely karate champion. <laughs> so. That's style. 
I like my white. <laughs> What'd you say, Vincey? He looked like a white karate champion? Very unlikely karate champion. He did. And uh, I think he's actually gone back to that since his Hollywood days. I, I, I think he owns a couple of dojos uh, around the country uh, where he teaches uh, young youngsters to martial arts, which that's where he should be. Teaching young kids to punch other young kids in the balls. I noticed his eye. No, Ricky, slap him in the face. (laughs) Punch him in his balls. Can I grab his arm and snap it in half? Like, no, no, no. Just slap him in the face. And then punch him in the balls. All of a sudden, he's at those karate (laughs) championship things, but he's like the, the sensei from Karate Kid. Punch him in the balls. I really, really... I can take it. Punch him in the balls. The balls. The balls. I don't know. The balls. Sweep the balls. (laughs) Sweep the balls. (laughs) And the sensei representing down low Kai. But sensei, I can take this guy. I don't want him beat. Sweep the balls. I want you to slap his face and punch him in the balls. And then get in a car. Yeah, Johnny, yeah. That's the finishing move. Jumping in a late model station wagon and drive off as fast as you can. I have a feeling, boys, if you hear that I went out to check my mail in the next couple weeks and somebody slapped me in the face and punched me in the balls, you know who to look for. He might be coming for me. I mean, at this point, it could still be him or Dean Cameron. I mean, you've made a lot of enemies. I've made a lot of fucking enemies on this show, and it could be you. <laughs> and honestly, I'm more afraid of Dean Cameron. <laughs> I come from beyond the grave and slap you in the face with my balls, you mealy mouth son of a bitch. Uh, hey. <laughs> I took care of you, Sean Connery. I, I did you right. was <laughs> mine. <laughs> I'd like to see any other cigar podcaster dr- chug a fucking boot of hazy IPA for. Come on. Oh, you chug some hazy things in your day, all right. <laughs> it's a cigar treat, you boys. It's very, very good. <laughs> the. Uh... In the final third, for me, the coffee and the earth are equal parts in the draw. They're, earth was heavy in the first third, coffee was heavy in the second, and now they're kind of balanced. The mineral, the earth, and the coffee in the final third. The jalapenos died down a little bit for me in the nose in that final third, and I'm getting more of uh, what Tut pointed out earlier, that, that kind of bready toast uh, through the nose. Does that is that... Copacetic I, can, I can agree with you. The The spice for me is still a little prevalent, I guess, more. It hasn't really – it has died down, but I'm still picking up a lot of that. You're – I actually, believe it or not, a little bit further along than I am. Uh, really? So for mine, the uh, the coffee is uh, – coffee's kind of died or subdued a little bit. It, to me, the main presence right now is earth. Uh but I'm still getting that toast, a little light sweetness on the retro hell with a little bit of that pepper coming in. So it's it's a nice little little deal. Uh, but we are yet to get into my favorite part of this. Okay, I, I I'm not I, the sweetness I got on the cold draw. I 
I always want that to come in more so. You just mentioned, Todd, I, I don't get a lot of sweetness in the once I set fire to this thing. So, but I've got it's to me, got, it's right on that back, right on that back approach in the retro hail. I told you I don't have that mid middle ground between the draw and the retro hail. So, hey, you have something we you can't experience creaminess like we do, but you have this weird spot in the back. You have this weird spot in the weird spot in the back of your throat where you enjoy things. Let's experience some creaminess, all right. <laughs> uh, did I say that? I'll I'll stop when you guys stop laughing. <laughs> oh, I'm not stop. I'm not stopping laughing. Well, besides slapping dudes, Speakman is also featured in a ton of high-speed car chases and foot chases. And whether it's on foot or in a stolen school bus, every chase results in the same thing. Dozens of car drivers who are minding their own business, taking their kids to school, smashing into each other, and at least a car every 10 seconds flying through the air, flipping over several times. Like a station wagon will barely hit a truck, and the next thing you know, that station wagon is two feet up in the air, upside down, flipping over, crashing. It's crazy. They spent a little money on this thing. At least on the uh, car Demolitions. We'll get to that later, Mincy. I have a theory, but much like but Dem- you, but you, but you missed another characteristic they all shared in common. High speed chase. Everybody's smashing into each other. It's the most boring action sequence score I have ever heard. The most out of place action sequence score I've ever heard. It's like, all right, there's a scene in Predator where Mac is like giving his, he's talking to Blaine, and it's got that. That's the the song. They play that that sad Mac Blaine music throughout the entire fucking movie. but where Predator does it for like 15 seconds at an appropriate time where he's giving a eulogy to his scratch. friend. Not a fucking scratch. This would be like Arnold fighting the Predator and they're like, do, 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 do. No, come on. This would be Arnold jumping this, off this, the water. Oh. This would be Arnold jumping off the waterfall. Do, do, do. Oh, well, man. Much like Dennis Quaid's Mike Brody character in our beloved Jaws 3 episode, Frank Jennings is responsible for the deaths of far more innocent lives than our film's actual villain by far. Just ask that poor, did you see the poor hot dog vendor he throws to the ground? When he's chasing, when he's chasing that assassin, he throws chicks to the ground, he throws kids to the ground, and then this, this poor hot dog guy is like, I don't want any trouble. He's like, Awesome. Is it just me or does he not run very fast? He runs very uh, clunky. He really Yeah. He, well, obviously in this film, he was not able to run as he was twice the weight he was in. The perfect weapon. <laughs> I just thought Shatner being a lot older than him and even heavier. Well, maybe not heavier but as heavy i thought shatner actually ran better than him shatner's got shatner's got at least 30 years on him at this point and Uh, i thought i thought speakman kind of ran like 
30 year old or 30 well, I think he was wearing he, he was the perfect weapon wearing the imperfect dockers I think they were a little bit tight fitting and uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to get into that whole dockers thing again it almost killed the podcast so I, I want to move on but uh, and again every time he's chasing I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie when I was watching this movie I thought about the docker debate <laughs> and to Tut's point every single foot chase car chase High impact, exciting moment. And I couldn't take it seriously because of it. I was just like, this movie blows. Yeah, it does. Um, There's even a half-decent skyscraper rooftop chase where he's jumping all over this this rooftop, doing rolls, kicking a bunch of dudes in the balls and slapping them around. And finally, he has no escape. So he ties a fire hose around his waist, diehard style, and dives off. And even as he's diving off this roof, doo, doo, doo. what a blatant ripoff, though, to do the fire hose jump. Dude, yeah, but, but we, we my question the, is: is how much fire hose does this building have? But it literally takes him no. to the ground. But guys, refresh my memory because I drink That's a lot right. on the I drink a lot on the podcast. Wasn't that Anna Nicole skyscraper movie? Didn't she do that too? Yes. Yes. Yes, she did. And it also took her down to like the first floor? It did. Well, it took her down to like floor five and then her boobs kind of cushioned. Well, no, she didn't need some. I I mean, I just want to point out. She didn't need a truck full of pillows like Frank Jennings. She just landed on her titties. He literally ties the the, the fire hose around his waist, jumps off. And we're to believe he would have reached terminal velocity because it wasn't like this thing had a break. It was just flying off the reel. He, by the time he got down to the near the ground, it would have just snapped him in half. Yeah. Oh yeah. When the, when the actual, when the actual fire hose did go out, it should have just snapped him and he was like, with Anna Anna Nicole, it made sense because she had so much padding. She had that big ass and those boobs. There's no way. And I think she and I think she even gauged that before she did it. She's like, I know the risk. I can I can do this. Frank <laughs> I Frank can do this. Frank Jennings said something like, This is this is no good. That was his catchphrase. This is no good. <laughs> Which is the same thing a Sunbelt Conference tight end would say, looking at a three four defense. This is no good. You leave the Sun Belt Conference out of this, mister. There's some quality football that gets played there. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. I don't know. Wait. Uh, Doctor, are we in the Sun Belt? Doctor, what teams are in the Sun Belt Conference? Uh, 20 years ago, North Texas was in there, but they've moved up to Conference USA. I believe, I believe Texas State, the former Southwest Texas State, is in there now. Okay. Um, is that Appalachian State or no? I think they are in football. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking specifically of football. I, I do believe Arkansas Little Rock that I mentioned is in there. I think Appalachian State. Uh, close. I got it pulled up. Do you want to know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Louisiana Monroe, the Mighty Warhawks. Okay. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns football team. Okay. Texas' very own Texas State Bobcats. Okay. The Arkansas State Red Wolves. Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. You said it right. Chandeliers? 
Chanticleer. What's a Chanticleer? It's actually a rooster, or you might know them better as a cock. (laughs) (laughs) South Alabama Jaguars and the Georgia Southern Eagles. I think this guy would have been in, what was the Arkansas team? The the Arkansas State Red Wolves. I think I think Frank Jennings would be a, a, a somewhat moderately unsuccessful tight end coach for the Red, the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Uh, doctor, to your Appalachian State, they were in the conference in 2019. You can't be moderately unsuccessful in those conferences because they'll fire they'll actually fire you and bring some young up and comer in. They won't they won't they won't pay. Unlike NFL teams, they won't pay some four time has been to be a tight end coach. They'll fire him and get somebody else. Um. So you're saying my analogy of him looking like a Sunbelt Conference tight end coach is, is not apt? I actually liked it when we dove into the details, which was unnecessary. I just decided to bring in some facts, being a man thanks, of science. Thanks, Tut. Or take anal bum cover for 1,000. Uh, that's album cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh... So essentially, patriotic good guy Frank Jennings agrees to work with the FBI once they've learned that Carvel, his boss, is secretly financing an extremist group called the Northern Militia to overtake the U.S. government. Why would a successful millionaire with a 20-point lead in the Senate race do such a thing? We never find out. Did they ever say, and, and I, I want to point out, I watched this movie entirely sober, so yeah. maybe that's the problem. Oh, you're you're the guy. Uh, did they ever really point out that he was trying to take over the government with the Northern? Yeah. it was implied. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They actually. Yeah, they I actually mean, when they when they would show him watching his updated videotapes of his soldiers doing military drill, well, military drills, which would be rappelling over a wall and like crawling in mud. He's like looking good, looking good. How's the Alabama squad doing? And they show them like doing the bayonet thing like okay i thought it was just that he had militia ties somewhat no he's actually financing a a a slow burn takeover of the government all right that Uh, makes no sense you can't have like five hillbillies and with a couple of bayonets and we're going to take over the government well, they're they're right now outside says every proud boy militia out there I was going to say, there's a, there's a group of 15 dudes uh, with AKs outside a Detroit polling place trying to stop them from counting votes right now as we speak. <laughs> but you're right. it's stupid. And they are referenced as the militia of northern Pennsylvania. But you're right. It's stupid. And people like us who we drink a lot, but we kind of think normal, think it's just silly. And Look, clearly someone is coming up with these militia guys. He's going to slap them in the face and punch them in the balls, and they're going to be they're be done. Well, if only we knew who that was that could I do would this. Just be like, dude, I don't want any crap. I don't want to be slapped in the balls. You got it. You got it. You're cool. Look, my God, man, I'm a cook at Sonic. On the weekends, I just like to play with my guns. I I, I really wasn't trying to overthrow the government. I just ball punch, face slap. Oh God. You guys are so lucky. He punched me in the face and slapped me in the balls. Dude, he goes home to his wife, and she's like, rough night at Sonic? He's like, you have no idea. You told me not to shoot my guns on the weekend. 
This guy punched me in the balls and slapped me in the face. Uh, the only solace I have is that when he was doing it, in the back of my mind, I heard, do, 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 I just wanted to get Pelosi out of there, damn it. You know what? Just go back to making your fucking foot-long cheese conies, you asshole. Okay. <laughs> but Carvel doesn't like betrayal, and Frank Jennings has betrayed him by working with the FBI. It was like a son to him. So the film is essentially Carvel's men chasing Frank Jennings and his wife and kid around nonstop, trying to kill Frank so he can't testify at the criminal trial, which is big news. The general public thinks it's a government setup to frame the maverick patriotic Carvel because he's a political outsider. We hear them demand that Frank Jennings be locked up, locked up on local... Dude, just like Hillary, locked up. Lock Frank Jennings up on local talk radio. And Carvel- yeah, hang on. Go when- ahead, Mincy. Hold on. Hold on. When Carvel assures them all these charges are cooked up by, quote, evil people trying to defame me, and these enemies of the state much like our, for now, current president calls all of his media and critics, can't stop, and they won't stop our path back to greatness. I can't believe you guys didn't see the Trump parallels. No. I I think I just have a personal hardwiring incapability of seeing any parallel between William Shatner and Donald Trump. Even, Even a fictional character he's playing... I just love Shatner too much. I can't make that. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a prediction of Trump. It was a commentary on Reagan. I mean, Reagan was pro-American. Reagan was the you know he was the make a great uh, make America great again before it was make American great yeah, but, again. But you he think was the one who got caught up in the Iran Contra scan. He was the one that Democrats were saying lock him up. I mean, this is. So you, think, you think you think commentary you're on that. that in 1998 or 97 when they're shooting this than you are in anything today? Yeah, you think, look at look at the age of your writer and your director. No, I'm just saying. I honestly, I I I I, I got to agree with Cade. I really feel like I, I got to go Trump with the scenario. Somehow, Donald Trump is flipping through channels late night, and he runs across this and goes. I can do that. Covered in Wait, Russian, covered in Russian whore piss. Do you think? Do you think his, do you think his <laughs> co? Do you think his cocaine snorting son saw it like on an up all night movie? I was like, oh, dad, watch this. You can do this, and you can do it better because Shatner's like sleeping. You have like charisma. I don't know. I I think it's just as, as crazy to say that they were. Screenwriter Maria James was channeling 15 years earlier Reagan than 20 years later Trump. I think she was just coming up with a really bad portrait of a bad politician for America, and it fits and it fits what it fits. She never went on to write anything again because Jeff Speakman. <laughs> He slapped, he slapped the shit out of her, and that was that. Well, after the trial, in which Carville is found not guilty by a crooked judge, Carville still won't back down on his quest for revenge against his former campaign manager. 
this isn't over, Shatner I still, says. I still have a, still have a c- confusing point. Um, maybe maybe you guys can help me out here. Uh, and again, I watched it sober. Other than putting a diskette into Carvel's computer and not really being able to see or analyze anything, yeah, he takes that and hands it over to the FBI. Right. Yeah. Minutes earlier, he's defending him that Carvel's an honest, good man. Right. What is he actually going to testify to? He can't. I mean, he's a star witness. He he hasn't he hasn't seen anything. It's like, oh, I got to cover my eyes. I knew about. There's nothing he can actually testify to. He can't. I mean, he doesn't he can even the stuff to, that he all he, can the stuff to. That he downloaded. He doesn't know what's in it because he was disc over to him. It could have had Frogger and Dig Dug on it for the. It was all encrypted, but but you're right, Doctor. All he can really testify to is when um, Carvel's private security team found out that he had access to those files, they tried to kill him, and he had to jump off a skyscraper with a fire hose around him. And, and they they actually <laughs> killed his dog. Well, no, no, or, or a yeah. okay, all right. We're gonna but get I mean, to this. Who's gonna believe that 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 Mac, the bailiff from Night Court, is a cold-blooded killer? We're getting. Oh, we're I gonna am. get to that. Doc. That dude's a choker. That is straight up choker. We're gonna get to that doc. Doc, speak ill of Mac. Essentially, Carvel ain't backing down on his quest for revenge, and Jennings, we just see it coming. He's got no choice but to take justice into his own hands. I'll take famous horse semen for one thousand. That's famous horsemen. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we have to talk about the message that Tut briefly alluded to that Carvel's men sent Frank earlier to dissuade him from testifying. Despite the FBI's constant presence at Jennings' household, the bad guys managed to hang the family dog from a noose in the front yard with a sign that says, let sleeping dogs lie. And it happened literally 10 seconds after an FBI agent assured Mrs. Jennings our witness protection program works. You guys are going to be safe. Oh, there's your dog hanging from the <laughs> tree. Well, they weren't in the witness protection program at that point. They're still they in their house. house. And they, were, they showed FBI guys combing the grounds. And it was the cheesiest fake dog I've ever seen. Uh, that's a, literally, I, I didn't know. I didn't know which bothered me more. Whether was it the timing of it, or was it the paper mache dog that they had? It looked like a pinata. It looked like a pinata. It looked like. Jenny, it, no, it looked it looked like one of those dogs that you win at one of those really bad carnivals. What was the what was it was the, the dog in a, uh, what was it a uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead two uh, the one the Dotson that's been shaved in half it kind of looked like his furry side part one part, part one. one the split dogs uh, it's a cheesy ass fucking scene but the the wife tries to show some emotion there and. Frank seems, I guess, shaken up. I don't hey, know kudos, why. Kudos to the wife. I thought that the kudos. Well, she, we're gonna get. We're gonna get. Tried to do. She tried to do. Stuff. We're gonna get. She out. had to turn away from the camera so that you couldn't see her face as she starts crying because she's, this is so terrible. I went away in this movie. I, I don't know why Frank went. Up. Did you guys understand why Frank went up to the dog on the noose and punched it in his little dog balls and slapped it in the face? This is what Frank does. That's what Frank does, damn it. You don't understand Frank if you don't understand that scene. I don't understand Frank. 
We'll put on some uncomfortable shoes and run a mile on this. Put on those white Academy sneakers and run a mile and you'll get to know Frank Jennings. Boys, I am, uh, for once, ahead of the game on the cigar. I'm about to cash this thing. But I did get, I don't know if this is what you were alluding to, Tut, your favorite part of the cigar. But this is one of those cool cigars that everything kind of comes together in the end for me. And I finally got your little bit of sweetness on the back end. Um, The coffee, the earth, and the mineral and the cream were there till the very end in the final third. The jalapeno spice and breadiness was there on the retrohale. But in that last two inches, you be quiet, doctor. Uh, the, there was a little bit of sweetness that presented itself, which I got on the cold draw, but it waited until the very end to show itself. This is a complex, great, transitioning cigar that really takes you on a on a on a flavor profile what i really like about it is that in that last third you get a nicotine punch there's a little bit of an uppercut where it picks up strength uh it's just right there at the end i always like when i finish the soapbox it's like great flavor great flavor great flavor slap it to the ball speakman style I, I get in the, I always get like a little bit of a nicotine rush right there at the end of it. Okay. Well, I have uh, switched to my nub tool because I don't want to let this thing go any any more. Uh, I'll, I'll smoke this thing till there's hardly anything left. But while we're talking about it, why don't we do price point? Obviously, tell you buy a lot of these things. <laughs> so I'll go Cody first. Yak boy, what do you got? Uh Uh, I'm going to go... It's a big-ass cigar. It is a big-ass cigar. 10.50. Tut? 11.35, retail. There it is. Well, Tut, you went over, so I'm going to have to give this one to Cody. Uh, 11 bucks. Okay. Obviously, local taxes and things will affect that which by 35 cents. Um, so yeah, 11 bucks, man. I'm totally cool with that for this cigar. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those cigars that I don't, man, I do wish that it was a little bit cheaper just simply because I smoke so much of them and I want my wallet to be friendlier, but you could tell this is what it costs. I mean, it's, this could be easily, in my opinion, this could easily be more. I could easily see this in the $17 range. Yeah, and, and what uh, I like that it's that complex. It's got that much transition. It's got that much power to it. It's a big effing cigar. What so I, I think that they do control the price on that and bring it down to what it's actually manufactured for. And what I also really respect about this blend um, that Ben put together down at uh, the Oveja factory. This tastes nothing like a Black Works or a, a, a Black Label cigar. I mean, those things are those things are so spice heavy, and and traditionally a lot. You know, just this profile is he made it his own, and um, like I said on the early part of the show, um, I've smoked a lot of these, and I just I'm a fan, and I wanted to kind of 
bring it to our listeners who it might have flown under the radar. It's not a big company. It's a new company. And in the cigar atmosphere, new companies got an uphill kind of battle to fight against the, the, the well-established brands on the shelf. But if you see the Dissident Soapbox, go out and, and, and grab one because, hey, man, yeah, 11 bucks. But for two hours um, or an hour and a half of just delicious transitions – and I think it, I think that goes with if you're at a cigar lounge that served beer, it's working with three very different beers tonight. Yeah. From my from my hazy IPA to Tut's quadruple to Cody's milk stout. I mean, no, they're all Imperial's Russian style. His fucking Russian style. I mean, this thing is this thing is dancing well with all of them. It's like a slap to the balls. It's like a punch to the balls and a slap to the face uh in the pairing world so uh yeah i i, I just can't talk i just i love this cigar from the first time i smoked it and i, I i'm loving it it's consistent I'm a, I'm a big fan and if you're uh if if you like cigars if you're a cigar lover you've got to try this cigar you really really have to try this cigar because this is a cigar lover's cigar it's got so much flavor coming through it. It's not, and it's not one of those cigars where you have to hunt and peck for your flavors. It's right there in your face, but it's done so in a way that it's not, like you said, it's not a big spice bomb, uh, but it's spicy. It's not a big, you know, sweet deal. It's, you know, it's not going to be uh, an infused type deal, but you got a little bit of sweetness there. It's got that nice Nicaraguan uh, earth presence to it. I mean, this is just a really, really good cigar. And like you said, I think that a lot of people haven't really caught on to this cigar yet, and I think that they should because it is a beautiful cigar. Every time I go into the humidor, uh, go into Smoker's Abbey, they've got such a good choice in that humidor, but I always end up at least getting one of these. When, when, I'll try like one out. I'll, I'll try like a to find one cigar that I haven't smoked, but I'll always pick this up lately. Uh, I, I'm with you. It's it's kind of become one of my. Uh my go-tos and I'm never disappointed. So I, if you'll let me stand up on my soapbox for a minute. All right. Uh, remember when purchasing some fine dissident or other premium cigars from famoussmokeshop.com, use your new favorite promo code TNCC 20 at checkout. Ah. It will knock $20 off your purchase of $100 or more. Now that's really fucking cool. Yes, it is, Kate. And they do carry dissident box purchases at Famous, so um, keep your eyes out for that. And it's box worthy. It is box worthy, and we don't say that very often on the show. Five pack worthy, yeah. Singles, try it out. This is box worthy. This is something you want to always have in your humidor because you're having a rough fucking day, or the world is going to pure fucking chaos. And you've got a two-hour time thing where you can pour yourself a drink and smoke a cigar, and you don't want to be disappointed, and you just want to have a nice little two-hour trip. This cigar won't let you down. TNCC guarantee. Man, we really did not punch this cigar in the balls or slap it in the face. We like this cigar. Yes. So how does our story end, boys? Well, Frank Jennings pays a visit to a car mechanic played by veteran actor Don Stroud. Oh, yes. Who I thought I recognized this dude. Oh, Where is he dude. from? 
Well, if you watched any TV in the 80s, A-Team, Hunter, Magnum, Simon & Simon, Riptide, he was in everything. Everyone? Yeah, okay. A bunch of stuff in the 70s and Possibly 80s. even much like Tut Spear, Spencer for Hire. Oh, he was definitely in an episode or two of Spencer for Hire. Uh, but for some reason, he has half of his face covered in silly putty uh, in tonight's film. Terrible effect. Well, that's because he had a stroke. And he's willing to sell Jennings enough explosives to blow up a 12,000-square-foot mansion, and that's just what Frank plans to do. Uh, Doctor, do, you, you need, do you need any help? Doctor, you also yeah, – yeah, and he wants to help Please. you, too. And Frank can, I, works. can I help you destroy kind things of, illegally? I'm kind of – Board here in my demolition yard, please. I don't know. By the look of your half silly putty face, you might not be too good with explosives. I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go on this one on my own. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh... But before I leave, let me put you in the balls and slap you in your silly putty face. Be careful. Those detonators can be tricky. I know from experience. <laughs> I guess that was what they're going at. This guy's an old demolition guy. But it, it just it was a terrible effect. It, it looked like he fell asleep in a bowl of chocolate pudding and woke up and could never get it off. No, hey, been there. Tried to dead it and open a crate of silly putty and it just slapped on his face <laughs> and whistled there. The doctor also told me when I was trying to get his help find out who this guy was because he's uncredited in the film itself on the IMDb credits. Apparently, Tarantino cast him as a as a featured player in his Django movie, um, which. It's- out of all of Tarantino's movies, Django, I, I, I couldn't get into. So I, I have yet to see it. I have it's, not seen it's, it. It's not good. I, I kind of liked it. I mean, it, it's, it's not as good as some other stuff, but I, I enjoyed it. Doctor, I'm gonna punch you in the balls and slap you in the face next time I see. I'll you. slap you in the face with my balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, after Frank pays a visit to Carville's house and does some top-secret surveillance from up in the trees, wearing a bright red shirt, which you And it's easily... literally like a foot and a half off the ground. But, dude, I'm going to go do some top-secret surveillance in this bright red shirt that anybody, a blind man, could see from a mile away. Did anyone notice what house that was? It was Shatner's house. Was it? Was it not? I thought it was his horse ranch. No, it was, but what are you saying, Yak Boy? Did you recognize the actual house? I did. In, house no one? It? No. Oh, it gets used in every freaking movie. Okay, so it wasn't Shatner's Ranch. Okay, go on. No, it was in the movie, Todd. It was Shatner's yes. Ranch. No, I thought it was, was like actual, Shatner's actual, was actual house. His actual house. filming location. Dude, when they're going through the house, there's like a an Enterprise model and like pictures of him and Leonard Nimoy on the wall. There's a uh, there's like a framed picture of T.J. Hooker. I mean, I, I rec- it was one of those things where it's like it, it took me a second because it was like the fence and all that. That's the house from Hard to Kill. Oh, where he's staying with? Yes, with, with as he's rock. as he's recovering from his coma. Yes, it gets used in so many. It also got used in the Golden Child. Dude, that's such a good call because when you're thinking about where they where they make these things really? at, on the other side, like of the Santa Monica Mountains, is where they can really go. They're not far at all from Hollywood and L.A., 
but they can go out to where it looks like a really rural area, but they're actually not far from, from downtown LA and Hollywood. And it took me a second because I, they didn't do that many. It's a very distinguishable house. Right. So, I mean, if you go, if you go back and you, I was like, it took me a second. Cause like once they like, there was a scene where they were like outside the house. And I guess it was with, you know, when the helicopter, or whatever, for, I don't know, it, it just clicked on me. I was like, I was like, cause we talked about, you know, we just talked about Seagal and hard to kill. I was like, that is the house. That's where he's punching the damn board up in the mountains. Yes. The mountains. Okay. Good job. Yak boy. Um, well, after his high tech surveillance, uh, of the house. He's got a game plan and he's ready to finish this game of political checkers. I just love it when he exits that tree. It's two feet off the ground. Oh, by the way, I said this game of political checkers. This is political shoots and ladders. Let's be honest. It's it, it's a political game played by morons. Uh, as the mansion blows up big time when he plants all these charges around it, just as Carvel and his henchman, Matt, run to safety outside. Dude, Shatner, my antiques, my artifacts. <laughs> I love this. My antiques? My artifacts? Ah! Fun! <laughs> Wait, no, that's Shatner at Shatner. See, it would have been better if it would have been my artifacts. Antiques. Or Yaks, what's one of our favorite Shatner lines? No tower? Airplane 2? Oh. <laughs> Frank bursts out of Carvel's garage in one of Carvel's convertibles, and he flies his own vehicle through the air for once. He jumps over a fence. He's used to send another dude soaring through the air. He soars this convertible over a fence, and then he drives up to Carvel's helicopter and grabs on just as about to take off. There's a pretty decent action sequence here where Carvel and Jennings fight, dangling from the helicopter. And once they drop to the ground, Carvel's main man, Mac, from Night Court, we'll get to that later, shoots Frank in the ass. <laughs> Not in the shoulder. Not in the leg. He shoots him right in his fucking ass cheek. Before uh, Frank... well, It wasn't the ass cheek. It was the pelvis. Before the helicopter explodes. Before he fell, Jennings planted one of those precious little bombs underneath the helicopter. Did y'all notice that when they showed the shot of the helicopter exploding, it was a completely different helicopter than the one that was being used for everything else? Oh, yeah. don't say that. Dude, it's a maroon helicopter all through that scene. When that bomb shows it blow up, it's like a red, white, and blue, like a totally different helicopter. Which leads me to wonder how many of the car chases and explosions in the film were stolen or licensed from other action, from other action films. Because that helicopter shot was obviously stolen from something else. Licensed. Licensed. So I'm starting to wonder, like, oh, my God, were all the car chases and all the flipping cars to this guy, did they just get that shit from other movies? Well, clearly they probably just used it from his previous work on these wonderful 
action <laughs> TV shows. Do, do, do. Do, do. All right, you know what, Cade? You're right. Spinning Great point. In. What they did was they just went back and said, hey, if we paid Don Stroud 20000 bucks, he doesn't want to be credited, but he'll let us go into his film library of all the fucking shows he was in the 80s. We can find all kinds of exploding cars. That was You could literally, if you pause it, see that one car flipping over. That's Hunter in the car. It's Hunter and Dee Dee. They're in the car. There's another. There's another show that flips. You can see it's Rick from Simon and Simon driving that truck. Hell, one of them had Tootsis, the cat who could drive a car in it. <laughs> so weird, here Tootsis here. <laughs> it's crazy here. Anywho, Jeff, the perfect weapon, Speakman, and 67-year-old William Shatner duke it out for a while. On the ground. He's not 67 in this. In this movie, he's 67 years old. Oh, I, shit. Oh, I did, wow. I did the math, dude. Shatner's 89. He's Shatner. He's great. Shatner. He looks good, man. Yeah, he's 89. He should run for Congress. <laughs> he's, he should. I would probably vote for him. He's a young guy as far as Congress goes. I don't know. He treated George Takei kind of bad. Yeah, he did. I'm a George Takei fan. Anyway, uh, they they punch it. Docker debate 2.0. Did they, you look down and see Yaks and I have T-shirts on that say "Make the Enterprise Great Again"? <laughs> <laughs> well, they punch it out, and he throws Shatner around a little bit, and eventually Jennings drowns Carvel in a pond. So he murders him, basically. Yes. Well, Carvel says, Carvel tells him. You don't have the balls. You don't have the balls. He's like, that's where you're wrong. I've been slapping so many balls. I'm going to slap my balls in your fucking face, Captain Kirk. So he he takes him, he throws him into this pond and he just drowns his ass. You can't treat Shatner like that, man. He, uh, (laughs) well, he did. The resulting, uh, we cut to the news, and they say the resulting investigation from all this mayhem concludes that Carvel's private helicopter, upon taking off, crashed accidentally into his own mansion, flinging the political candidate into a nearby pond where he drowned. That tracks. The end. That's the end of the film. Do, do, do. Oh, and there was some other stupid scene like at the hospital where uh, Jennings' kid like comes out of his coma, and we'll we'll get to the acting here in a minute. Uh, uh is right. I actually watched over my uh, I watch a ton of horror stuff that I have never seen before to get stuff for our March to Halloween. I watched a movie I'd never seen before, The Devil's Reign, which is a 70s uh, horror film, satanic cult horror film starring William Shatner, John Travolta. Wait, what? Wrap your brain boxes around why I didn't choose to do this. We couldn't do all the – we couldn't squeeze it all. We're going to do it next year. But uh, William Shatner basically plays – 
a guy going up against a satanic cult led by Ernest Bornhein. Okay, say it no more. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's yeah, that sounds awesome, right? Slugs. Slugs. Slugs? Like a uh, cancer. A satanic Ernest Shat- Borgnine? It's Shatner versus a satanic Ernest Bornhein. And it's a phenomenal movie. We just didn't have time to do it over this year's March to Halloween, but we will maybe get to it one of these days. But Shatner does have moments, but for me... I'm sorry, he's a one-trick pony. He has he has no range. It's just good it's, trick. It, it's just William Shatner being William Shatner. It's a good works. trick. Was Travolta a Satanist? It's like a worshiping Satan, man. I mean, it's real weird, but I don't know. I mean, I don't. I'm not into the whole Bible. It's just the horns and the you know the, the, the heathenism. I'm into it. You know what I'm saying? It's like Sam. It's like Sam Hain here. Who? Sam Hain. You know what I mean? It's like the festival's like a harvest. Come on, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Devil's Reign. We'll get to it eventually. Assuming any of us survive this shit storm that we're in the middle of. Well, we've talked a lot about Speakman and Shatner, so let's talk about some of the other quote fingers acting on display here in land of the free Hmm. Frank's wife, Annie Jennings isn't sympathetic or engaging in the least. And she only skates by because the child actor playing their son, Randy Jennings is absolutely atrocious. (laughs) That actor's name is Cody Dorkin, which I now demand. We all call our Cody that from now on change your, change your zoom name to Cody Dorkin. I'm not calling you Cody Dorkin. Yeah, I'm not I re- I'm not there's my response. Bird. Wait, here, yeah, I didn't use this finger. You are Cody Dorkin from now on. But get this. That kid was terrible. I both, know if you're speaking, don't you have to be like, God, my kid's a pansy. Both he and actress Lisa Dar would go on to have showbiz careers, so I can only imagine they both got better at their craft, or this is much more likely finally received some constructive direction and dude she's still acting he's still doing stuff guess who else is still doing stuff Shatner maybe he didn't get any direction in this movie other than tone down his Shatnerisms do you think I've been harsh on Shatner tonight yes yes it's William Shatner I love Shatner do you remember him in Loaded Weapon no, I remember. I, so there, I remember, there's a uh, there's a I YouTube Sam, clip. I remember Sam Jackson from Loaded Weapon. I remember Emilio Estevez. I don't remember William Shatner. And that there's tells, a, you, uh, it tells you something about William Shatner. There's a YouTube clip of Shatner doing a commercial read, and then you hear the uh, producers like, "All right, so uh, Bill, uh, this time around, can we can we can we do it like this?" And Bill like it was like, "Oh, <laughs> more energy. Okay, yeah. So uh, all right." Does the read again? More energy, and then the director is like, "All right, so can we can we try it like this?" And, and Bill just loses it. He was like, "Why don't why don't you give this read? Tell me tell me how you want to want this to do it." It was like, "Well, you know, you know, I don't want to I don't want to tell you how to do your job." He was like, "No, because that's what you're doing. You're telling me how to do my job, and I don't mind this. So why don't you tell me how to do 
my job and I will do it exactly how you want me to do my job. And it was just, it was, you pushed Bill too far. Bill dug his heels in and was just like, no. And then he, to his credit, he did it exactly like the kid said. The kid would do it and he got his phrasing down and everything and just boom, knocked it out. And then the kid was like, well, I, I, I didn't want to really do that. He goes, no, no, you wanted it a certain way. There was a way that you were hearing it in your head. I asked you for how you were doing it in your head. I delivered it, how you're doing it in your head, and I'm done. And got up. I know that makes Cade just crawl inside. So you're he's con- crawling. I see it. You're confirming that he's an asshole. <laughs> I'm watching him with the spiders tomorrow. And unable to take direction. No, he took direction and he did it exactly like the director wanted. No, he took the job. He should be able to take the direction. I, I see a future episode where I'm going to be the down vote on the Buddha Remembrance for William Shatner, and I'm okay with that. But you dare say that. I found the most interesting casting choice to be that of Carvel's main tough guy henchman, Matt McAllister. Mac. Which, granted, is a weird name for an African-American character, Matt McAllister. But, for some reason, he's played by Charles Robinson, an actor best known for his role as the court clerk, Mac, on TV's Night Court. All right. Yes. Dude. Yaks, what was his uh, Asian wife's name? Uh, Quan Lee? Quan Lee. Oh, it's Quan Lee. Yeah, that's right. Something like that. Good memory. Good memory. He does an okay job here, actually. It seemed like really weird casting right out of the gate. On the surface, I was like, oh, God, Mac from Night Court? But he actually comes across kind of creepy. He does. I was actually kind of okay with this. He was just upset. He he did good. I used to go from sniffing Marky Post panties to watching, to now I'm in this. Oh, yes. Oh, Marky Post. Marky Post, Marky Post. It's Mark Post now. Mark Post. No, it isn't. It's Marky Post. Thank you. Oh, man. First of all, I got to watch me some Night Court. First of all, when Marky Post showed up married to Keith David in Something About Mary, that was one of the most awesome tandems in movie history. I just fucking loved seeing Marky Post <laughs> married to Keith David. That was amazing. You could, you could, wouldn't you like agree, Cade, that like a 90 minute movie of those two characters would have been dynamite? Yes. Because yes. yes. I always loved Marky yeah. Post and I'm the biggest Keith David fan in the world. And when they were married and the fucking Fairley brothers got those two together, that's why that, oh my God, it was just beautiful. Uh, Marky Post, Rocked in Night Court. Everybody rocked in Night Court. It was a really great show. From Harry Anderson as the judge. Hey, this guy, uh, Charles Robinson as Mac, was a a signature part of the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who's the guy that played Bull? Richard Mull. Richard Mull. Richard Mull. It's a great fucking show, but it was so weird. John Larroquette. I'm sorry, but it is like the the, the DA. John Larroquette. Dan Fielding. The only thing he ever did better than Night Court was Blind Date. Oh, 
with Bruce Willis. Oh, God. And that's you, uh, son of a bitch! I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> sorry, that was a phenomenal. Oh, performance. fucking night! I'm sorry. Where is? I, I love I love movies that have that scene for whatever reason. I I, I can't explain it. I don't know why, but have that scene with the judge that just can't take the shit anymore. And Blind Date had that scene. Oh, and it was that dad from uh, Boy Meets World was the judge. He played Mr. Feeney. Yeah, Mr. Feeney. And he literally, he was like, and he literally, I couldn't, oh. it, was one of the, it was one of those scenes where he literally, he sees the character that John Larroquette is playing, and he, oh, shit. Like, I mean. I got to come up with the guy's name. Not he much. also played the voice of uh, Kit in Knight Rider. Yes, he did. But I just like I, that's one of my things. It is absolutely one of my favorite things. Oh, it's gonna kill I, me! Like I, I can't that. explain it. That is a very weird fetish, Yax. Blind, <laughs> blind date. Uh, like to what's have up, that, Doc? To what's have up, Doc? With uh, is there a Reddit uh, sub channel with that and fetish? Ryan O'Neill to has have a great that, judge scene. To have that fetish. Don't get t- don't get uh, Cody started on. Uh, What's the Marissa Tomei court movie? Uh, Ooh, I like that uh, one because he's so. My cousin kill- Vinny. My cousin yes. Vinny. That that judge is, gets kind of frustrated. It's it's Herman Munster. It's How can Munster, you not? Yeah. It was Fred Gwynn. Yak boy cannot achieve an erection unless he's watching a film where a judge gets <laughs> frustrated at his constituents. And there's as totally well, a Reddit well sub channel for that. Seems like old times. With Goldie Hawn and Chevy Chase. Oh, my God. Great. That had a a frustrated judge? It did. Absolutely. We were just breaking ground here. My God, that's fascinating. Yeah. I love it. I can't help it. It just cracks me up. Oh, so it's a a funny thing. It's not a, like, okay. No, it's pseudosexual. I, I mean, thought in the late '80s you were watching like L.A. Law and just jacking oh, no, no, all no. the all I mean, the. It's just it's that it's that uh, humorous scene with the judge just can't <laughs> he can't take his shit anymore. Okay. Uh, 1970, I think it's 74. Uh, What's up, Doc? Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neal. It's a uh, it's a Liam Dunn. Uh, you know, uh, from Blazing Saddles, he played the the uh, priest, the the reverend, but. He just he just loses his shit. He was I mean he was like bailiff. Look at these people. Yes, you're yes, yes, your Kind of getting They're all criminals. Every one of them. He's like I can't stand this. I'm stressed out. I have to take these pills. Do you know why I have to take these? See this? He's like, see this blue pill? Do you know why I take the blue pill? It's like it's what did, red. Kind of yes, like what did you what did you think about the judge in tonight's film? Terrible. You know, he's an actually an acclaimed director. I don't know how he showed up in this thing. He directed the Ryan O'Neill, that classic, the film Love Story. Terrible. And he also directed a couple classic uh, Gene Wilder films, Silver Streak. And, oh, really? And the uh, Richard Pryor one, uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Nice. And I somehow like he ended up in this throwaway judge scene in this film. It's called Paycheck. Oh, yeah, you still got to pay your bills. Man, Yax, we learned a lot about you tonight. 
Um, but yeah, Mac from Night Court showing up, it worked for me. I thought he was actually kind of creepy. And every time he kind of did something evil, he had a little bit of sinister in his expression. I I bought it. I, I was a, He was the only character in this film I was okay with. Doctor, did you recognize any of the FBI guys? Man, one of them looked familiar, but I couldn't place him. Yeah, I thought I'd seen this dude before. The main, the the blonde guy that's always telling Jennings that everything's going to be okay, they're going to get this thing. Doctor, remember Friday the 13th Part 2, the head camp counselor who ends up saving the girl in the in the cabin from Jason? Oh, God, that was him? That's him. He did, yeah, you're right. Oh, wow. I do recognize Okay. Say that, and I recognize him. And now I'll say what Cade hates. More time has passed between now and when Land of the Free came out than Land of the Free when that guy was in Friday Part 2. Oh! Oh. Damn you, Doctor. Damn you! you. the same noise as your mother made last night, Cade. Ha 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 mine. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Well, if you're going to say something bad, or in this case, I've perhaps said, we've all said a lot of things bad about Land of the Free. I should probably say something good. And there was one moment in this film that I liked. Good luck. It's during one of the hundreds of car chases. Jennings is being chased throughout downtown Los Angeles. Of course, there's no cops around. And at one point, he pulls a high-speed U-turn drives backwards for a bit, and then spins around to where he's chasing the bad guys. So he's behind the car that was chasing him, and the bad guy's like, oh, shit, I got to lose this guy. <laughs> and, Car- and Carvels hits the gas to escape. Dude, he's now chasing the bad guy. Oh, yeah, you want to chase me, fuckface? Well, now I'm chasing you, motherfucker. He doesn't say that because that'd be cool, and he doesn't say anything cool in this movie. But dude, I've never seen a movie, an action movie, where he's being chased, he does a Yui, and now he's chasing the bad guy, and the bad guy's I gotta lose this guy. <laughs> it was crazy. It's a horrible movie, dude. I, that's, and of not, course, that's not enough. That's not and enough. of course, the scene ends with the goon's car smashing into an RV, shooting up 100 feet in the air into a giant ball of flames. My God, Doctor, what would you say the budget for car ramps must have been on this picture? My God, it must have been an astronomical amount of money has been on the car. The, the literal number of car ramps that were in this film defies the imagination. <laughs> Road Warrior didn't have this many car ramps in it. <laughs> There's a lot. What do you think would have happened? Here's what they should have done. In one of those later scenes when the car shoots up over a ramp and crashes into something and bursts flames, that poor hot dog fender's got a new route <laughs> down. He's pushing that little car and he's all I'll he's be safe. Arm I'll, be, his, I'll be safe here. He's got his arm in a sling and like a patch over his eyes, like I had to do this. Song. Ah <laughs> I'm sorry. It's horrible. It's not it's horrible. 
My favorite, my favorite car flying through the air shot was during the chase scene where the Jennings family hijacks a school bus and he bashes an FBI, an FBI car into a truck with some poor son of a bitch. They're loading a couch on top of the truck. So when he pushes that car into it, it sends the not only the truck soaring through the air, but it sends that couch flying sky high as well. This is when I noticed every car that wrecks in this movie is 10 years old. This movie takes place in 1998. Every car that wrecks is at least mid-80s. Even the FBI guys are driving early 80s cars for some reason. Oh, because they're going to wreck. 1984 LTD, what are you saying? And did you guys notice that every car that gets sent soaring in the air had something strapped to the top of it? Suitcases, couches. There's one thing where they a, a car rams into another car and it sends it soaring through the air. It's got a canoe on top. And I'm like, that's actually kind of smart directing-wise because if you're going to send a car in the air, Fly off. put some shit on top of it. That'll even look even better. Well, that was the same bus scene, by the way, where an 85-year-old FBI agent climbs on top of a car and surfs, surfs on it before he jumps on the back of the school bus. I guess that was kind of cool, right? That guy was like 100 years old. <laughs> Except for the fact that that cheesy fucking synthesizer music, as the guy is surf, as the 90-year-old man is surfing on the hood. Yeah, they should have busted in with like, Styles from Teen Wolf and just played Surfing USA when he was trying to do that. Nope, we got the cheesy patriotic music. Go with that. You know who's not cheesy, fellas? Who's that? Who's that? That's right, Yak Boy. Our good friend Joe Grow over at Drew Estate. No cheese there. He's a man who doesn't even put cheese on his cheesesteaks. That's how uncheesy he is. He orders sure. cheese he orders cheeseburgers. Hold the cheese. Am I right? Yeah. How's that for a a segue? Pretty good segue. I happened to be texting Joe Grow today while I was writing my script for tonight's show, and that's how that happened. (laughs) It was actually funny. I, I was texting my wife and Joe Grow, like, back and forth, and I, I thought I was testing because I got a package in the mail from some. It was just a box that said aromatics something or other. So I thought I texted my wife, "Did you order more candles?" But I accidentally texted it to Joe Grow. <laughs> and then I realized it, and I was like, "Oh shit!" So I was like, "Well, not not like I want her to buy more seasonal candles to fill the house with." those kind of uh, seasonal scents. I'm a man's man, so, you know, that, that'd be stupid. Uh, and if she did order them, I'm going to demand that she return them. And Joe, Joe responded, like, did she at least get cinnamon spice or apple? Uh, I'm like, so I sent him a picture of the fucking candles we got. Uh, Joe grows a good sport, and he does not like cheese on his cheesesteak. Don't you mix meat and cheese with Joe Grow? Odd, but I'm I'm accepting. 
But speaking of Drew Estate, I'm not. Nobody pumps out innovative new products like they do, and there's no better example of that than the Pepe Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel for Minute Cigar. The Pepe Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel for Minutes is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. And right now, guys, uh, what are we, November 4th here? Correct. They are facing some harsh shit with this tropical storm. That storm, yeah. And, and the hurricane coming through there. And Cody and I uh, were there back in March, and apparently mudslides, even yeah. if it's just a tropical storm with rain and they don't get the winds, the, the mudslides and the... Dude, there's literally been tropical storms that have moved mountains there from the amount of rain. And we've seen these, you know, the the houses and the, the infrastructure. And we just, I just want to give a, a, a big prayer of, I, I hope everyone there is safe. They're an amazing people, an amazing culture. And it left a huge impression on me. Uh, and you probably too, Yak Boy. I mean, everybody was just so gracious and so awesome. And uh, I just really interject this commercial with just uh, I I hope the shit moves forward quickly because we've seen and I've seen videos of past hurricanes and what they do to this place. So our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, the Drew Estate family in Nicaragua. Agreed. Deep barrel fermentation, going back to the Padman Winkle, is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything else on the market. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes. Or for those of you who've never been to Esteli, that means small little bundles of tobacco, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Oak bourbon barrels are all American, baby. Water is then added. While mince pressures apply to the torquettes via railroad jacks, not car jacks. Those little things you keep under your car seat. Not jumping jacks. Not Wolfgang jacks, that old 80s radio DJ. But fucking railroad jacks. We've seen it. It's impressive. The tobacco is removed two, three times per year from men much more manly than us. It's shaken out, then repacked. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Pepe Van Winkle's Family Reserve Bell Fermented is now available at brick and mortar. Drew Diplomat Rethos everywhere. And if you'd like to smoke the unique pig size Vitola, which I highly recommend, it's the best of the best. Head over to papico.com. Give the sisters some of your money because that's the only place you'll find it. That was a mouthful. It was. Used to those, aren't you, Mr. Kane? Oh, damn it. <laughs> I set you up for that one, Connery. Oh, the day is mine. <laughs> well, ultimately, I feel... You guys, you boys, tell me if you agree. This movie is a great example of a storyline that just doesn't hold water when it's filled up. Carvel's men kill off FBI guys, military agents, and nobody does anything about it. 
Frank and his family are constantly on the run, and he refuses to call the FBI front office or even the cops for help. So they just run, 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 while destroying hundreds of vehicles and killing probably dozens of innocent lives in the process of their running. There's never a cop around, ever, which makes no sense. Even when the bad guys invade Jennings' temporary beach house and he blows a couple of them away with a shotgun, his witness protection isn't stepped up a notch whatsoever. I've always had thought, if I'm on the run, I'm a good guy, and I have like valuable information, and I'm on the run with my family, I go to a newspaper. I go in the front door, and I'm like, but this guy's different. He's a high-profile government witness. You go in and you say, my family is being attacked. There's crooked FBI guys. We can't trust the cops. Will you protect us? Go to a fucking news. Go to Los Angeles Times. Tell them, can we stay here and tell our story? Nobody's coming in to a newspaper and killing your ass. Uh, if you do that, make sure you make a copy of that disc and give that copy of the disc to the newspaper. But no, this guy keeps his lame-ass family on the run just firmly. If he's not shoving them in some shitty hotel, he tells them to hang out in the back seat and just get under a blanket while he goes to try to figure some shit out. <laughs> this whole... God damn, this whole movie makes no sense. It's, it's terrible. Every time a chasing ends... High pressure, cars flipping over, exploding. The little kid asks for ice cream. Mom and dad laugh. It's just stupid. It's just lame. It makes no fucking sense. Nothing adds up whatsoever. And the end result is a big, fat fucking dud. Agreed? Agreed. There's nothing satisfying about this movie at all. There was that shower scene with that blonde chick but i glossed over that one even that couldn't save this thing it needed more shatner but the director letting shatner be shatner yes unleashed unleashed the dude i also believe it's worth mentioning that i started to watch because i had never seen another jess speakman film 1995's deadly takeover where he plays Dutton Hatfield, a U.S. embassy employee who must stop terrorists from stealing a top-secret weapon from an Israeli biochemical factory. But the opening scene had him rolling around in a park with his young son, just like in tonight's movie, and it was even set to some cheesy-ass movie music, like, but it was kind of more kindergarten cop, light-hearted music. So I bailed after five minutes. I bailed after five minutes. But right after, dude, the kid's like, Dad, will you teach me some of your karate? And so he starts teaching his kid some moves. And the kid punches him in the balls. And Jess Speakman barrels over and like, I've seen enough. You know what? I've seen this show before. I'm out of here. Um, I'd be I'd be nuts for watching any more of that movie. Ugh. Oh, nuts. Now, now, there's no need to get testy. That's what I like about you, Doctor. You always got the balls to say something. 
Tut, give us some sausage links. I have some links. Some links. He's all got right. those links all right. <laughs> First of all, I have to wake up after this snore snooze fest of a movie. That way I can tell you all if you're awake, then uh, you can join us on Twitter at TNCCCast. You can hit us up on uh, Instagram at TNCC underscore podcast. See all of the cool little photos there. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Please, please, please subscribe to us, James Brown style, on YouTube at Tuesday Night Cigar Club. If you want to do some uh, shopping, go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. Hit the Amazon banner to shopping from there. Doesn't cost you anything. Helps keep us uh, keep our lights on around here. Is there anything that I forgot? Oh yeah, there's a famous smoke shop banner on our t- on our website TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. You want to buy some cigars? To go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. Click on the banner there. It'll automatically enter the most famous promo code in the world TNCC20, and it will save you twenty bucks on an order of a hundred cigars, or no, a hundred bucks or more, and that's twenty percent. That's a good deal. Car ramp sold separately. It's a great deal. Car ramp um, sold separately. That's right. Uh, three thumbs up on the soapbox. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Three thumbs up. If you're a cigar lover, go buy it. You will enjoy it. If you're new to cigars, go buy it because that is. Actually, yeah, oh, you're right, Tut. Good deal. You're right, Tut. It's equally accessible to a veteran smoker or a newbie. Actually, if you're a newbie, this one might be the cigar that hooks you onto cigars. Oh, yes. yes. I can totally see that. I see over the next couple of weeks our uh, Cigar of the Year rankings changing dramatically. we got a lot of really, really fun, juicy cigars coming up. So I don't know how we're going to do it, to be honest. I don't know either, but we've got a lot of them uh, to sample. We've got a lot of shows I want to squeeze in here before the end of the year. And um, because of the current state of the world, we got nothing else better to do. So we'll do some more shows. Um, I want to thank you all for joining us. Um, maybe, maybe in two weeks, we'll know who the president is. And that will uh, change some things. Maybe. Don't build up any hope. <laughs> You're right. We'll be nowhere further than we have we just need to get to the corner no hope call it a day i'm here i want you guys here with me i swear i i get lonely um but for the meantime we'll keep doing the things the way we're doing it so uh obviously a lot of you listened and we're thankful for it uh, you went out and voted. We'll see how this thing plays out. But in the meantime, I hope we uh, took your mind off things for a few hours. And hey, even if the movie sucks, hopefully we made it fun. And we introduced you to a new cigar and some really tasty beers. Um, at least you guys. Mine was so-so, but you guys. Oh, my some- goodness. That Spencer Trappist, that was really, really good. I think maybe... Uh, Tut and Yak Boy had the best beers of the night, right, Doc? Mine was ho hum. It's doing the trick. It's working. Um, okay. Well, um, I'm glad you boys had a good beer night. 
you win some, you lose some. Hopefully, we'll win uh, when these final voting numbers come through. But in the meantime, uh, we will see you in two weeks. So as we say at the end of every episode, and I feel a little bit, maybe a little more optimistic about saying it tonight, may the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Sayonara, motherfuckers. See you in a couple weeks. <laughs> to learn more about the time I attended my very first Star Trek convention way back in 1993, only to be told at the ticket counter that my Lieutenant Uhura costume was too revealing. And before I could tuck my flesh phaser back between my legs and plead my case, I was escorted outside by some red Starfleet shirt-wearing chumps. Well, I never forgot your faces, boys, and I'm coming for you now, with my phaser set to anonymously annoy you, all via my phony Facebook accounts. Take that, losers. Anywho, to learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit www.ovejanegracigars.com For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well.